Happy New Year. Welcome to the 227th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. I can't believe I almost forgot. <laughs> Way to start off the year. A big shout-out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm t- currently talking about 2012's Hawkeye comic by Matt Fraction. Uh, we're, we're, I think we're at issue at three, four, something like that. And sometimes I talk about movie. I do have a movie planned that we'll be talking about soon. So you can listen to that. More podcasts every single week in case this isn't enough. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanformheck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanformheck. All right. So it is now the new year. I hope you had a safe and happy new year, whatever you, however you chose to celebrate it. Um, for me, New Year's not. I guess at, at my this point in my life, it's not a big deal. I don't. I'm not into like the big parties or anything like that. Especially now, it's like you got to be safe. So, I hope you stayed safe and everything like that because we we need to be safe. We need to protect ourselves. So do all that stuff. You know, wear still wear a mask. You know, wash your hands and and all that stuff. So. Um, there's always a hesitation for me going back, you know, after winter break, going back to the classroom, especially now it's like, you know, cause you don't know where the families are, are what they've been doing and, and hopefully their families have all stayed safe. Cause you know, and it's, it's not like you have to be out like being reckless or partying all the time. All it takes is like one visitor to come to your house, you know, to just spend the holidays or something like that, or you go to the store to pick up, you know, some mashed potatoes. <laughs> I don't know. So just everyone, I, I want everyone to stay safe. So be, be aware of that. Um, as far as this week, so to start off the, this new year, obviously there's not going to be a lot of news. So last week, you know, ended, ended a year, things pretty much slow down, shut a lot of things shut down, which they should. You know, any like studios and stuff like that, you know, people deserve vacation. They, even if they're not going to celebrate any like, you know, Kwanzaa or Christmas or, you know, whatever, any of the holidays, they should still have some time off and, you know, spend time with family and, and so forth. Also, I chose, I, you know, I debated about doing it. I didn't do like best of, you know, year list. I, I, I kind of wanted to do it, but I also, I kind of really have a problem with these, you know, greatest, you know, top 10 lists and stuff like that. I feel like, so here's a secret, not really a secret. You know, the, the reason why i mean i don't know if this is an obvious secret or not the reason why a lot of outlets do top 10 lists and everything like that it's because for that reason that there there's not a lot of news that's going to be coming up so they you know if if they're really on it and and can program things whatever you know you set up these lists ahead of time you know you you put the work in and uh you know you you have different you know top 10 movies, top 10 TV shows, top 10 albums or, you know, whatever, comic books. And you, you can have these all set up to go a, a different day of, of the week, you know, so that way you don't have to worry. So you don't have to like physically be working, you know, the day after Christmas or New Year's Eve or whatever, you know, you just have it ready to go. And and that's why I feel a lot of people do it. It's, it's good content. 
I just find it weird, and you know, it's great for for people who who love that stuff. I just always have an issue because these lists are are people's opinions, and when at at GameSpot when we were trying to do our big huge lists, I, f- I forget if, if we what we're doing. We tried taking everyone's opinion into consideration as they should be, you know, because it it shouldn't just be one person's thought unless you're going to do separate lists. Like here's my list, here's so-and-so's list and and so forth. So I I just remember like the the last time I was involved with it, you know, we had to come up with like our top 10 and, and, and try to rank them and have discussion as to like, you know, which, you know, which should be the top one, which should be. And it was a little hard with uh with GameSpot because you know with like Matt and I we were we we're more into the the comic stuff or maybe it's more so I was more into the comic stuff and you know it, it's trying to weigh the comic movies versus the artistic movies when you're doing a top ten list for a video game entertainment website you know so it's like you, you kind of have to take that into um, consideration which is also why I think a lot of these lists are are very subjective you know you can't put a lot of stock into them you have to just like keep in mind that this is someone's opinion and or some you know a collective group's opinion and and that's great you know you can it's not a definitive list and you know sometimes i i wonder also it, it feels like when it when and not not so much with with us but when i look at like some of the other outlets and there would be like some outlets like I maybe because I'm just so clueless or in blinders on, you know, it's like some outlets that I'm not like overly familiar with. I feel like sometimes people do lists to get the attention of other people. Like, you know, especially in a comic world, like, you know, here's like, Oh, you know, Hey, Scott Snyder, I love your stuff. Or Hey, uh, Tom King or Tom Taylor or, you know, whoever, you know, cause uh, it, it's, it's a good way to, and again, just being so totally parent or skeptical or whatever, everything, because that's just how I am. It's a good way to get other people to like retweet or whatever or point to your your thing. Because somebody be like, hey, this is awesome. You know, this, this, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm tr- trying to think of a just like a fake website, <laughs> whatever. They, they love my, my stuff. Hey, check out this list. That's awesome. Because, you know, it, everyone wants, you know, they want the praise. You know, not even some people may not. Am I just, this is, I'm just babbling on, right? It's, I'm not saying necessarily that you're going to, uh, uh, an outlet would skew something just to get someone's attention, but it's a good way to try to get their attention. And, you know, I, I totally get what that's like, like in the early days of Comic Vine when, you know, I, I I'm, I'm so blown away and, and maybe it was just a different time, but I'm so amazed when I think back, like some of the interviews that I got, like in, in the old days, I mean, it was, it was a lot different. There's a whole like procedure now when you're trying to get access to creators, especially if it's creators involved with the big two with Marvel or DC, you know, you can't just go up to them. You're, you're not supposed to just go up to someone and say, Hey, do you want to do an interview? You have to talk to the, the publicity team to get access to them. And then like, Basically, the questions and answers need to be approved to make sure that spoilers aren't being given, like especially if it's going to be some spoilers that, you know, the New York Times or Washington Post or whoever is going to USA to I don't know, is going to spoil or going to have this big revelation that that Spider-Man is is really a, a mutant or whatever. That's the first thing I can think of. So, I mean, it, it's just it's a very you know interesting process. And I, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of that. And like I said, I, I could just I could go on and on. Not, not that I'm like revealing trade secrets or anything like that, but there's just a lot more to it than that. And I just think like in the old days where I would just try to access 
access these people. And, and you know, Twitter wasn't even that big of a thing, like, in the early days. I, I think when we started, I wasn't even, I don't even know when Twitter started, but I definitely wasn't on it in the beginning. And just try, trying to reach out to people and say, hey, you know, can I ask you some questions? And I remember, it's like, some of the interviews I did, I was sending, like, 20 friggin' questions, like, emails with, like, 20 questions. It's like, holy crap, that's, like, a lot of questions to ask. And I just didn't have a clue. Here's, you know, little baby journalist Tony or whatever just doing all this and and now you know later we got to it's like hey how about like five questions you know just like narrow it down you know because I know you're extremely busy and everything so it's it was just it was a very interesting time and I know I could reach out and do more but I just I one I don't want to be a bother and I I feel like you know there's just like so much and plus the fact that I just did the time and everything and just you know teaching just wears me out and, you know, I, I feel like I have to put teaching first because, you know, the, the importance of everything there. So any I, I can't dedicate as much time to like entertainmentfish.com. So I, I feel like to take up someone's time to do an interview for a, a website that isn't as big as what it could be because I just, you know, I, I don't want to take their time where they could be talking to someone else, even though some people still would be happy to talk to me, be willing to talk to me. Some people. Anyways, let's go into the news. So <laughs> there, there's a fill up your news uh, since there, there's not much else to talk about. But I don't know. Maybe this is something I should talk about, like on a secret podcast, where I could just I could just do like a topic of something else. And that's something. If you are a patron and you know you want me to talk about something else, I'm willing to, to do that. I'll, I'll spend that 30 minutes or whatever talking about some other random things if if you want some other topic because that's what it's there for. That's to give back to you, give you what you want. So as far as the news, No Way Home Spider-Man has made more than a billion dollars worldwide, which is awesome. You know, I I forget how much it made domestically. Obviously, it didn't make a billion dollars domestically, but that's that's pretty amazing. That you know, with how limited things are, and you know, it's people. Some people still aren't going to movie theaters. When I went, I went to a preview night. Jeez, I, I can't barely even remember that. What did I go to a like a Four, I went to a four o'clock show, so it wasn't sold out, which was great for me, and, and that's what I love about my theater. I mean, I, I want my theater to be, you know, successful and profitable and everything, you know, make make money. But I love when it's not a full theater. Like I, I love <laughs> when there's only like one or two other people in the theater, like on the other side, because that makes me feel safe. But it's it's great that it, it's it's doing so well and i mean it was it was a great movie it was an amazing movie so it's 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 pretty cool that it's made a billion dollars when you know things have been kind of tough because we need you know say what you will corporate studios whatever we need them to be successful we want them to invest this money to make these awesome movies because if they're like yeah it's doing okay you know we'll break even we'll make a little then they they might not want to take the risks versus if something's like a guaranteed hit, they'll be like, yeah, you want to do you, what you want to do this. You want to do this. Cause like, even with like some of the ideas, I mean, again, I'm still not going to get into spoilers. There's some other news that I could talk about revolving around no way home, but I still don't want to spoil it, especially in the news section. I don't want to put like a spoiler tag here. Cause I think it would be annoying if, if you have not been able to watch no way home. And if you've been able to avoid spoilers, I don't want to, I don't want to cause any problems there. But with this movie, I mean, there's some some pretty ambitious ideas. Like, I mean, I'm sure when they first came up with it and they're like, yeah, we want to do this and this and then all this other stuff. Yeah, the, the logistics of it, making it ha- to execute all that. I'm sure it took a little bit of work. 
and and convincing. So it's because these movies are successful that they're probably like, yeah, let's make this happen. It might take a little more, you know, money on our part or something, you know, a little more convincing, but yeah, let's do this. And so, so that's why we want these movies to, to, to be successful. So that's why I'm glad that people who feel safe and are able to safely go see theaters, you know, I'm glad for that. And if you can't, then I hope that, you know, as soon as it's available on demand or something like that, that, you know, you pay to rent it, that, you know, you're not like, Oh, I could watch it for free. You know, why not do do that? And because it's you're stealing is is what it comes down to. I mean, I'm sorry if if you feel I don't have any other way to do it. It's like no, you, you want to watch a movie, you, you pay it. Even if you got to pay twenty dollars to rent it, watch it with a buddy or something like that. But I mean, it, it, these things cost money. And don't say, well, the studios are making billion dollars. They sh-, but you got to look at all the, the paying the actors and all the overhead, all those people the, on the credits. I mean, you ever sit and, and just look at all those names? All those people are getting paid. They deserve to be paid and they deserve to be recognized. What, speaking of that, like Jimmy Palmiotti posted like on Twitter that, you know, while it's great seeing, you know, the, the comic creators' names, they shouldn't be buried at the end and the credits, like at the very end. And then, you know, you got the screenplay writers, whatever, getting the credit and recognition for these movies. When they're not the, you know, if it wasn't for the comic creators who created these characters and the stories that are like a lot of this is based on, they, they should get more recognition. So I totally agree and support that. But, you know, you, you should be supporting these these movies as as well. And I think I, I don't know if it was No Way Home. There's some movie, something, it might have been No Way Home, where apparently when people were like pirating the movie, there's like some malware embedded within the file because it's like man if you are downloading stuff from wherever you are taking huge risks and i mean maybe you have a junk computer that's not hooked up to anything that you can do this but just just don't do it and it's just it's 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 ethically it's not right in my opinion so that's that's my two cents or whatever there was a trailer for the batman holy cow dc warner brothers it's like do you have to put like the whole movie in the trailers i was hesitant to watch it i was like yeah, i'll watch it and then as i was watching i'm, I'm trying not to give it like 100 percent full attention because there was just so much in there but holy crap it's like they they show a lot and it kind of goes along with uh i think what i mentioned last week about Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne sort of being like Kurt Cobain in a way where, you know, he's like this recluse. That's how you say the word. It doesn't sound right when I say it. Maybe I'm not saying it right. But, you know, you, you see him and uh, it's it's just interesting to see this this different uh, take on Bruce Wayne. And um, I'm, I'm just I'm really fascinated with the movie. A lot of the stuff, it's, it almost started kind of getting to be like, oh, this looks kind of just like a regular superhero movie, you know, comic book movie, which, you know, no, no offense to that. But I feel... I feel there's like this fine line and it's it's more so I, I hate to say it like on Warner Brothers part where when they're, they're trying to make these movies because, you know, Marvel has they have the advantage of the MCU. You know, they can they have it easy, uh, you know, if we're being honest, you know, they, they can kind of re- rest uh, or relax a little bit because they have the success of this established universe that they can re- rely on. Versus, you know, Warner Brothers, when they're, they're trying to do these, they, they kind of have to they have to pick the tone and figure out, you know, what, what are they going to do? You know, we, we've seen attempts at like a extended universe and there's been some success and some questionable success or maybe not success. So when you when you're doing this, you know, you want to do a comic book movie, you want to try to emulate other things, but you also want it to be its own own unique thing. 
And, you know, you want to kind of not not that you want to try to make it like a piece of art, but you do want to make it sort of artistic. You know, you don't want it just to be just another superhero movie, you know, or comic book movie. You know, you want it you want it to be appreciated while at the same time, you know, you want to make the comic book fans, the comic book nerds happy. But you also want to make other people who are going to go see it. And, and you know, enjoy this as as this is like this is something legit. You know, this isn't just a you know whatever watered down superhero action movie. You know, so um, that that's it'll be interesting to see how how it all turns out. I mean, it, it looks really good and everything like that, but we'll see. And and I don't know how I feel about the Batman Catwoman romance. Like, just if there's gonna be like this big emphasis on that, that's fine. I'm I'm not against you know that, but we'll, we'll see where it's going to go. And it's just the fact, cause you know, I, my, my, if I'm being honest, cause I, I always try to be honest, um, you know, the fact that we have Catwoman, we have Riddler and then we have penguin, you know, th- it feels like there's a lot going on here and you know, you have to be careful cause you know, we, too much. We've seen what happens when there's too much. Um, Hawkeye, the, one of the animators or whatever, not, not really animators, digital people, they talked about uh, the original post credit scene, something that they had planned that they never made happen. I don't want to spoil it at all, but I'll just say it has to deal with the owl and something that the owl, not the comic book character, the owl. In the final episode, there was an owl. If you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't watched it, it's not a spoiler. There was an owl in a, in a big, big Christmas tree. And, um, so if you've watched the movie, you know the owl, this actual legit owl does something. So the end credit was going to kind of follow up with that. And, you know, we, we would see something. So that that could have been fun. Uh, but, yeah, what we got was was fine. It's I think just there's just a disappointment that we didn't get a uh, end credit. We didn't get anything that would set anything up. When we definitely like with Loki, we got the Loki season two is coming soon. We didn't even get that. So, you know, we don't know, is there going to be a Hawkeye season two? And, and I'm sure there's a lot of question with that. Cause it kind of felt like this was supposed to be Jeremy Renner's like retirement from Hawkeye. And it still could be, but it kind of feels like he's not quite ready for that. You know, it was this supposed to be like a passing of the baton. It, it still could be considered that, you know, now that we have, um, you know, Kate, uh, uh, you know, whatever established, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to spoil anything. And, you know, there, there are, there's definitely other things that, that where they could do with, with this. So hopefully we'll, we'll do this. Uh, one of the directors, Reese Thomas, who did the first, two movies and i think the the finale he's down for doing more and you know he obviously can't talk on anything because you know secrecy and stuff like that it, it's just it's you you kind of have to worry a bit with like loki with the loki final episode they're like yeah there's a season two coming but with hawkeye they're not telling us that because it's i'm assuming it's not definitive yet and you know maybe there's like some contractual things that they need to work on like if they do want to get jeremy runner they're gonna have to you know work that out with his schedule and whatever you know budget you know or salary and you know if if they're gonna get Haley steinfeld i'm sure she is like so in demand you know it's just it's funny because like i didn't even realize like jeremy runner has a show on apple tv so we'll we'll see. <laughs> um, I actually full full disclosure. I actually got a little little interu- interruption there. Um, so I I kind of lost track of what I was saying, but you get the idea. I, I think I, I was done, and I think it's it's time to move on, anyways. <laughs> so um, speaking of of Batman, I think that's what I was talking about. Uh, I mentioned Michael Keaton. It's supposedly going to be in 
and the Batgirl. So Leslie Grace, who is going to be Batgirl, she I kind of confirmed that that yeah he's going to be because I think it was like Hollywood Reporter tweeted about Michael Keaton being in it, and then she replied, "Looks like the bat's out of the, ba- the bag" or something like that. So she kind of confirmed it, which I don't know if she should have, but I'm sure it's okay. You know who knows? Maybe she got permission to do that. Or who who knows? So. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see, like what that means and what that. Yeah, I have no idea. Is is it the same Michael Keaton Batman or just another? You know, it doesn't have to be. So we'll have to see. There was a new um, Uncharted trailer, and again, dang, this is like I think it was like a two two and a half minute trailer. Why did they make trailers so long? You know, you just look at it, it's like okay, Uncharted, uh, Tom Holland, Marky Mark, or Mark Mark Wahlberg. It's old. I'm, I'm there. You know, you don't have to show me. You give me a teaser trailer. Show me some of the action. Cool. Awesome. That's that's all I need. This shows so much. And I, I'm always hesitant to watch these. And I did watch this. And it's just like, holy cow. So I, um, I've i always wanted to play the games. And I think I have Uncharted 2. But I just haven't had to play. Because I, I think my the one I have is, I don't know if it's PlayStation 2 or PlayStation 3. So I haven't haven't played it actually. I, I got it. I, I was given the the game uh, used used game. But anyways, uh, so it looks like uh, Tom Holland. He's pretty skilled in this, and you have to wonder like I, I don't know what what the the background is going to be for the, this character. I mean, I'm sure they'll, they'll show us, but he's got some moves like you know the part where they're, they're dressed up at at the cocktail place whatever he's so that that's gonna be interesting but then there's a part where you see in the trailer spoiler there's like two helicopters carrying or or maybe more than two helicopters carrying like these big giant like ships like pirate ships it's just like okay we'll see but uh i'm looking looking forward to seeing that so um that that when's that come out that's in february right february 18th i believe so i'm I'm looking forward to that um and then uh that's about it for the news um the one thing from comic news that I can um, think of, recall off the top of my head is uh, Marvel's teasing Judgment Day. Judgment Day is coming. And I think it has to do with uh, Timeless, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. And um, the teaser just has like the Avengers logo, X-Men logo, and Eternals logo. So kind of interesting that they're, they're trying to bring the Eternals to the, the spotlight, which they should you know, I feel like they should have done this long ago. It's like, why have these Eternals just been like ignored all this time? And it's now it's like, well, hey, let's try to make a franchise out of this. So it kind of feels a little, eh, but I, I, I think we, we kind of need that. You know, if you have these characters, why can't they be cool characters? You know, they just have to be written really cool and drawn really cool for people to like them. And, you know, we need to get to know them because as, as much as I I've been reading now, I feel like I still don't fully know all the characters and even watch the movies, which is why I want to watch the movie again. So we'll see what, what that, that means. But with that, that is going to be the news for the week. Okay, with comic books, there um, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, DC had a, had a lot, uh, but other publishers and there wasn't much I, I read. At Image, Ice Cream Man issue twenty seven came out. I still haven't read a single one of these comics. I have so many. I, I I think I have. I don't know if I have them all or not. But I I've always wanted to read it, and I should read it sometime because it just seems so interesting. But I, I haven't. Manifest Destiny forty five came out. I haven't read any of this. Um, Matt, speaking of a comic fan game, so I, I know he's he loved like the comic, um, and then he was reading it. So then I was like, okay, I don't need to keep up with this because he's reading it. 
I have no idea if it's good, but it's that issue 45, which I think is awesome that, you know, I, I love when comics have this l- longevity that they, they can survive and everything. So I think that's, that's really great. And then there is a stray dogs dog days, number one of two. This was, was kind of weird. Cause so stray dogs was, it was a great series. You should definitely pick up the trade if you, you haven't. Uh, and it's basically, what do they, they call it? Like kind of like silence of the lambs and, uh, you know, like a Don Bluth, you know, American tale or, you know, just some, some weird movie, like this is a strange combination with with this, what do they call it? Lady in a Tramp Meets, Silence of the Lambs, horror thriller or something like that. So this spinoff, it's it's kind of showing us like what happens with the other dogs and, and like their owners and, and stuff like that. Because, you know, if, if you read the original or if you've listened to me talk about it, you, you know what, what it's about. So it just... It was okay, but it was just very like boom, 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 because you know you're just getting little little blips here and there, which, which is fine. But it just, I don't know. After the first one, I to me, I you know, is this fully 100% necessary? Is anything necessary? You know, you, you can make that argument, but I this was this was was all right. Then at I didn't read anything at IDW. I didn't read anything at Boom. There's nothing that I that I'm reading. At Boom, there looks like there's a new Dune comic. I don't know. I wonder how the Dune comics are, but I, now I feel like I'm so far behind with those. And there's Power Rangers, which I'm feeling behind in that. Once in Future, okay, so that's issue 23. I should, I kind of wish, maybe I should check that out because uh, Buddy Rich, my buddy, comma Rich, not, not Buddy Rich. Uh, who is there? Someone named Buddy Rich? There probably is. Hey, Buddy Rich, are you listening? Um, Rich just mentioned to me actually today. He's he's like he's like he asked me. He's like, are you reading Once in Future? Because he he really like I think he, he said Dan Mora's art's like really good. Maybe I should look into that at some point. At DC, DC had so much, so many comics. I was like, it's the end of you know the end of the year, the end of the month. There's usually not that that many comics, <laughs> but they put out so 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 many many books. So at DC, we had a uh, Robin issue nine. Um, this this was it was good. I, I'm really surprised. I'm not, I don't want to say really surprised, but just the, the whole idea. So the, the concept when you were at issue nine, and there was a lot about this death tournament. You know, the the legal Lazarus try, trying to do all this, and you know we, we've gotten like some of the secrets of like what is the, the the tournament was really about and what they're trying to do. You know, we see Damien, you know, trying to survive this with the others and, and, you know, things are looking pretty, pretty bleak as to, you know, what they have to face, you know, uh, uh, now that that, like all the cards are on the table. But then the big question is, is can Damien stand up? Can he like overcome the odds and, 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 you know, rally the forces or do what it it takes to, to do this? And and as much as I hate the fact that Alfred is dead, you know, it, it, Damien has this weird thing where he's like talking to Pennyworth. He's talking to Alfred, and obviously, it's it's really it's got to be you know Damien, his mind. You know, he's talking to himself, but he's just channeling I guess Alfred so well that you know Alfred is providing like some very very sound advice. It's just why did, why why did, why is Alfred dead? It's so stupid. But it was a good comic, and I'm looking forward to the, to the next issue. We had Human Target issue three. Feels like issue two just came out, so I, I'm enjoying this. Uh, I love the art. I like like I love Greg Smallwood's art. 
And uh, it's interesting because, you know, the human target, he's he's dying. He's been poisoned. There's nothing he can do. He knows he's dying. He's trying to figure out who's responsible. You know, someone was trying to kill Lex Luthor. He was posing as Lex Luthor, you know, being his bodyguard, whatever. And he ends up getting poisoned. Now he, um, last this issue and the last issue, he's been hanging out with Ice from uh, Justice League International. And we get a lot of Guy Gardner here. Guy Gardner's being such a jerk because he's just so jealous and protective of Ice, even though it's like they're not even together. It's like, dude, Guy, what are you? He's being such a major, major, major a-hole. It's just, oh, man. Uh, but it, it's 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 an enjoyable comic. I'm, I'm surprised how much I, I like it. And I do think the art plays a huge role in it. And I, I just love the fact that you know, Greg Smallwood's art is here because it's just it's so good. Read uh, the Moon Knight comics that, that Greg did. It's just so good. Action Comics uh, 1038. This comic, what, what do we have here? Um, we have more of Clark Superman on War World where he's kind of been defeated. He's, he's not doing so well. He's at a, in a weakened state. You know, he's trying to free all the slaves from war world. And, you know, he went with his, the authority with his, his group of, you know, quote unquote heroes and they're not doing so well. And, you know, what is Superman going to do? How's he going to get out of this? And it just, I get that, you know, we're, we're getting bits where, you know, while he's totally, totally beaten and just like weak, He's still, you know, trying to prefer, provide some of the um, inspiration, which, you know, that's what Superman should be. You know, he's a symbol of hope and all that. I just, in general, I'm I'm just not happy with the direction of Superman lately. I hate the fact that he doesn't have a secret identity and th- that there's no Clark Kent. You know, I, I just love the, the dual aspect of it. And I, I thought, you know, that's such a, a great thing. And now it's just, it's just weird. And the fact that he's, it's almost like he, he's been powered down. He's been weakened. And it's like, you know, are they going to kill him? You know, there's rumor and speculation that they're going to kill him off. I just, I'm just not happy with this. It's just, this isn't the, what I want from Superman. You know, I, I love John Kent, but I don't think we need him to replace Superman. You know, he could be his own thing. You know, he can be Superboy or whatever. Call him something else. Just why? I don't know. Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target, Issue 3. I was was enjoying the, the first two issues of this. So something happened, and Green Arrow and Aquaman, like, switched lives. And so they're, like, you know, Oliver is, like, the king of Atlantis, and Arthur is Archer, you know, Arthur in Queen Industries. I don't know if it's still Queen Industries or whatever. So, you know, something happened in the timeline to switch this, and then, you know, they, they kind of confront each other, and they're, like, blaming each other. And, you know, so, of course, you got some fighting going on. Now they're, like, working together. Um, they're both captured, and, you know, they have to try to, you know, get their way out of this. But with this issue, I just, something just, it, it kind of, like, I fell off of it. I was just, like, reading it. Part of it, it starts off where, you know, you have, like, let's say you have, like, six panels on, on one page, and it's, like, kind of split in half. So you got, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. And it's like the same exact dialogue is being said twice. So it's almost like instead of six panels, you really only have three panels because, you know, there's a person talking to him and you're getting like from two perspectives where, you know, from from uh, Aquaman and Green Arrow. And it's it's just it, it was like this. I mean, they only did this, I think, like in two page. They did it on the first page. Then I think there was like a, a two page spread. And then like the third page did it again. And it's just like it feels like such a ripoff that. <laughs> You know, you're just like, it's not even full. 
I don't I, I just I started like losing interest. So I I just skimmed through the rest of it. I you know, but I am curious as to what what's going on there. Um, DC versus Vampires issue three. I love this comic. I'm so surprised how much I. I'm not really surprised. I shouldn't be surprised how much I love it. What what I'm I'm surprised about is that you know this is, it's a it's its own own thing. It's like DC. So, you know, it's a separate continuity, which is I. And I know as much as I complain about that, but I think the fact that it's totally upfront is like this is its own thing. This stands alone. You can read this, not have to worry about the other stuff, not have to worry about where it fits in. So it's really cool in, in that that aspects. But also that the fact that it's it is its own thing is you can go all out and you can have like people turning into vampires, people getting killed and not have to worry about that, like what that means. So you there's so much freedom, and I, I just think that that really makes makes it great. Um, what other also makes it great is it's it's written by by James Tynion IV and Matthew Rosenberg. I love both of those guys. They're they're writing. I mean, they're so good. So when you got the two of them working on that, I mean, that is phenomenal right there. And then you have Otto Schmidt doing the the art and, and the colors. And I just I love I love his take on it and and everyone. I I don't know how to explain it. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like sometimes even when there's not like a lot of like close detail given to the characters it just the art just carries like so much weight to it and i just i i love like just check out his twitter uh, otto schmidt's twitter i think it's otto schmidt 72 or something like that yeah i'm sure you can find it he he posts a lot of a lot of just like random sketches like some new stuff and like some old stuff that he's done and everything it's just i just love his character designs and i'm just really fascinated with with this comic where some um heroes have been turned and you know some people are are pretending that they haven't been and what they do at the end to, to kind of get a, a one up on the justice league or whatever. It was just like, Oh snap. Like what, what they, they do at the end. It's just like, that was pretty, a pretty smart move. So uh, I, I highly recommend DC versus vampire. I just, it's such an enjoyable book. It's almost to the point where it's like, I don't really buy physical comics anymore. But I'm almost like if this came out in a nice hardcover, I'd be might be tempted to get that, even though I don't really buy them anymore. But it's just really good. Deathstroke Inc. issue four. This was uh, this is interesting. I, I'm enjoying this as well. You know, we have Black Canary and Deathstroke working for this trust organization. You know, Black Canary, Oracle, Batgirl. You know, Barbara wanted her to kind of infiltrate this organization, and it's not really clear what they're doing you know they're going after like villains and supposedly apprehending them and sending you know to them to the authorities but it's like where are they really going what's what is really happening here and the fact that you know black canary is working with deathstroke you know she hates you know everyone hates deathstroke but i like that they even acknowledge that they worked together before and i think they're it's referring to like the team seven like the new 52 team seven so you know they they do know each other and he's actually actually trying to do the be you know he's trying to be a good guy you know trying to do the right thing um but you know they're working for this organization and and they might be in over their heads you know even though they're both very capable on their own so uh, there's some some interesting things there then we have detective comics 1046 and what i realized i don't think i i didn't finish reading this it looks like because i didn't finish reading the the second part uh the, this backup story which is like a arkham asylum or Carly Quinn, whatever. Um, as far as like the main story, where you know Bruce is is still trying to, 
it seems like he's going to go like he's plans on leaving you know fear state or whatever has been been solved he's just trying to establish things and it's almost like you know he doesn't want to be a hero you know he doesn't want to take any credit and you know he's just trying to make sure everything is in you know the city's in good hands and uh he's still like he's dealing with his part getting infected by that vile guy or whatever um we do see huntress you know she she was a attacked as well but she's getting like these visions you know like people getting injured so you know she like kind of knows when when bad things are happening there's also some more stuff with with the mayor and because you know he wants to open up the arkham what are they calling it is it arkham tower it's not arkham asylum anymore arkham tower yeah so he brings in um oh what what is her her name um meriden uh, chase meriden is that her name where you know he wants her to to kind of like keep an eye on things, you know, like keep him in check or keep the, the, the whole facility in check or whatever. And I shouldn't say too much more, but so, yeah, so there's a, some, definitely some, some things being set up there. Um, Harley Quinn issue 10 came out. I didn't even look at that. Um, I, I, I don't know. Cause they, they've been kind of hit or miss with me lately. So, but I, because of time, I didn't check that out with, uh, whatchamacallit justice league 70. We're, dealing more with the fact that the fortress of solitude was stolen and it's like how the heck do you steal a fortress of solitude and we see a flashback where leviathan mark shaw leviathan he approaches the royal <laughs> i can't even say with a straight face he approaches the royal flush gang about like bringing them in and he's you know he he just teleports into their like headquarters and they're not happy about that but as he, he's talking, he's like, oh, you know, I'm a really big fan of you guys. You know, you deserve more respect and all this and everything like that. And it's just like, really? And yeah, so it, it's not really clear if he helps it. And so they, they, they end up sealing the Fortress of Solitude. And it's not really clear how they do it. And just, but just the fact that there's so much deadly, you know, dangerous stuff there. You know, there's a Phantom Zone projector. There's a baby sun eater. <laughs> So I'm looking at this page. Giant Steel Diary. <laughs> there's a Legion Flight Ring. Red Sun Chamber. Uh, there's like looks a bunch of Superman armors. Uh, a Kryptonian Battlesuit Armory. The Titanic. <laughs> really? It's a, an alien zoo. So there's a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff here. And uh, yeah, it's not really clear what, what, what the, the point is. Um, Superman 78, number five. So this has been a, a fun book. Uh, Brainiac, when he detected Kryptonian on Earth, he's like, "This isn't right." So you know, he's gonna—I don't know if he's—I forget if he's gonna shrink the whole planet or just Metropolis. Superman's like, "I'll go. You know, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll surrender. Take me away. Whatever." So he goes and he finds out his parents are are still alive. Jarrell and Lara are still alive in the Bottle City of Candor or whatever. So he's going there, but then you know he's a. Uh, trying to figure out you know and lex is is trying to work on a way to defeat brainiac so it's like lex and superman and jor-el are kind of working together even though they kind of don't really know it so it's like can they defeat brainiac and that so that that's that's interesting task force z issue three uh, came out this uh, big big revelation in the last page is kind of like like holy cow so jason todd was recruited to to lead task force z and what they do is they use some lazarus resin stuff and they're they're using deceased villains 
which are kind of like in semi-zombie state to go on missions. So it's almost like Suicide Squad, you know, Task Force X, but they're they're kind of zombies. The the nice thing about it is is if they get like blown up or anything like that, the resin will help put them back together or something like that. So Jason is is he's a little unclear about working, you know, and he doesn't know who like who the big boss is, you know, because he hasn't met the, the person. Um, but we do find out who the, the big boss is, and yeah. So as you see on the cover, Deadshot is back, you know, and so that that's a big thing is because you know we have Bane, like all these these man bats. So it's like you're really you're saying that these these characters are really dead, but I guess. The idea is if they're given enough resin, they can be fully brought back. So that okay, that makes sense. That that that's fine, because the thing is like killing off Deadshot. You know, it's like is he really dead? Is he like never ever going to come back? So at least there's a way here. But there's there's some some interesting things with just like you know you don't really know what what is going on and who to trust and, and everything like that. That's it's it's kind of cool cool to, to see that. Then uh, Titans Academy issue ten. I'm not loving this. I'm, I, I. It's just it's it's getting a little hard to read. And part of it is like again some of the other characters, some of the, the kids, students that I don't care about. So we have this this dude Nevermore, which I think is what he's calling himself, Dane. I don't I don't care about this this guy. I don't know if he ever appeared anywhere before this. Don't don't really care. Uh, we we get his backstory, so that kind of makes me feel like we we didn't. Neron shows up, and I I just don't care for Neron at all. But the, what is making me curious is having Red X here, and you know, with the idea of who is Red X? Is it Red X someone we know? Is it not? So, yeah, we have have that stuff going on, and we have Roy Harper here, who's you know back from the dead. Speaking of people coming back, so there's 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 still some interesting stuff here that's making me you know continue to read it. Then the Flash seven seven seven. Um, I didn't really care so much about the the Flash, uh, Doctor Fate, Magic. Um, I think they're in Gem World now. I, I totally forgot that they went there. Uh, so like Amethyst is, is there, but uh, and some of like the Justice League Dark, which you know how I feel about them. Oh, I forgot to mention there was a Justice League Dark backup story in Justice League, which of course I didn't read. I don't know why I I just have such a problem with it. We have. Uh, Barry, or not Barry, we have Wally, you know, on this other, you know, gem world, or, you know, trying to help out the Justice League Dark and everything like that. It's all fine. I'm, I'm not super crazy. I, there's some 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 involvement of Eclipso and, and that. What I'm actually surprisingly finding a little more interesting is Wally's and Iris's kids, Jay and, and Iris. Ira, what's what's her name? And uh, just seeing their... their silly little adventures or you know just being in school and like this little subplot involving them i'm actually finding that more interesting even though i i it's i feel like it just could just be like really weak or boring whatever i there's something about it that is just kind of kind of keep getting me interested or whatever so you have that to check out so that was um that was it for uh dc as far as Marvel, so like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of books this week. Amazing Spider-Man issue 83 came out. And this was was kind of weird. It was written and drawn by Patrick Gleason. But I think 
and, and and like in the, the last page, like where normally like the letters column, they kind of they did this whole thing where they kind of explain things, which seems like out of the ordinary. But I think there's like two different colorists that kind of did like the the end parts because there's like almost like this flashback where because it was a little confusing, I have to admit, because you know this focuses more on Peter. He and you know he's he's still recovering and trying to deal with stuff and he he decides to get some some fresh air he goes out and then ends up fighting you know he hears a, a crime being committed and he goes out there and then things don't really go to well. it also he's like his his spider sense is like really like an overdrive because of all the radiation from when he fought against him and Ben fought against the UFOs so there there's like all this like with parts of this fight it's like did that really happen or not it's there's a little bit of confusion there cuz then it's like then he's like all beat up and he's like back at the hospital, but it's like, how did he get back there? Like who brought him back? And yeah. So, but there's like some flashback stuff like with, you know, Aunt May and uncle Ben and, and, you know, so it was just, I, I don't know if it was just me, like why it was, it was a little, little confusing death of Dr. Strange issue four. So, you know, the, the big question is who killed Dr. Strange? And we get some answers here. And you know it's it's not who it first appeared to be, and my the big problem I have with this. So while I'm I'm intrigued with the story and everything like this, I don't like that we know who the Sorcerer Supreme is going to be already. That Marvel talked about that. There's going to be a new Strange comic coming out, I think, in March. So you know the solicits and all that they have to put it out there. But I, I just don't like that we know one aspect. I mean, we there there's still a big the big question is what's going to happen to Dr. Strange, you know, cause we, we have this Dr. Strange from the past. Cause you know, Dr. Strange took out, took like two weeks of his life and kind of put it on reserve. So if something happens to him, so this Dr. Strange that we have, he can't be around forever. You know, his time is limited. So does that mean he's just going to be gone? Is, is there any way to bring back, you know, is Dr. Strange really dead? They were going to do an autopsy. He had his hands chopped off. So I, it just seems weird that we're not going to have Doctor Strange. You know, there's got to be some way. So, I, I, you know, I, I was under the impression that it's like this older, you know, this, this Doctor Strange from before he was in Avengers, before he met everyone, that he's going to be taking place. You know, taking the, the, the somehow get a second lease on life, and and you know have to go from there, which you know could make things interesting. You know, because he has to get used to everything, and you know. This was a Doctor Strange who wasn't a Sorcerer Supreme, you know, so he's not as skilled as the Doctor Strange that we just recently had. So that could be interesting, a way to kind of depower him a little bit so he has to kind of like build himself back up. So I I, I would be down for that, but we'll, we'll see if that happens. Devil's Reign Issue 2. This is surprisingly good. Um, and I don't mean that as an offense, but, you know, to Chip Zdarsky, just uh, the premise of the story is just like, it could be like, mm, but... It's actually very, very captivating. Uh, basically, Kingpin, I think I mentioned this last time. Because oh, when did the, the first one came out? Uh, December 8th. So Kingpin had a file on Daredevil, like on Daredevil's secret identity. When he goes to his secret safe that no one has access to, he finds it that like the file is empty, like there's nothing there to read. So he knows something happened. He knows that his mind's been tampered with, and he is ticked off. So he's going full on hardcore, and since he's the mayor of New York, he's he's making a platform of like heroes are illegal. You know, they they do not have the right to operate. So it's like they're going after. It's like they go after like 
Iron Fist, he's not even doing anything. It's one thing if you're you you know you're saving a life in a city and then you're you're gonna get arrested for that, which is really crappy. But there's like just other things going on, and uh, so he's he's really like putting the enemy like making the, all the heroes enemies. Yet he has his thunderbolts. You know he's got his villains that are like the police force now. Which how does anyone even like buy that? And this is yeah. It's, it's just so like yeah, Iron Man is a villain now because he's not registered, you know, and stuff like that. Um, one one thing like Ben Riley goes out, he doesn't do too well, which annoys me because it's, it's like Spider Man could kick Taskmaster's butt, you know, or, or find a way to defeat him. Miles Morales practically defeated him almost, not quite, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm really. Um, you know, so they're looking at like Tony Stark. He's like, well, you know, I'm going to run against, you know, Kingpin as mayor. You know, we got to put a stop to him or, but then maybe they're like, you know, that might not be the best idea. Maybe someone else should do it. And they have someone else in mind and it might not be who you think, although maybe you can figure that out. Uh, then there's star Wars bounty hunter issue 19. I tried reading this. This is dealing with, with, uh, what's his name? Balance, uh, uh, this, you know, we, we get some flashback stuff, but yeah, it, it I started losing interest in that. Um, Timeless issue one. Um, this is by Jed McKay, so you know there there is that. This this is good. This is I think what I mentioned before about the Judgment Day stuff coming up. This seems like it it's uh, leading into that, and we we see basically Kang. And I don't know how this this uh, relates to the King series that we just had. If they're totally separated, or if it's direct, I, I, I totally don't even remember who, who wrote that that King series, which is really bad on my part. But we have King basically doing his his stuff, and you know, trying to. There's like this. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, I don't think it mentions in the. There's this. Uh, okay, there's when a parallel timeline threatens to overwrite the future. Uh, Basically, it's like this other timeline is happening, and there's like there's like time shocks or whatever happening, and because this other timeline is being kind of like allowed to go, which it shouldn't be, so he's like trying to fix some things, you know, because it's it's kind of threatening him in the main timeline, and 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 so forth. So, um, but one of the things that, that they Marvel sent out a teaser about this is during this, there's like a hint at Miracle Man being involved and it, i don't even i where is miracle man now because i know marvel kind of like made this push with miracle man when they got the rights back and they you know they re-released the original story and they they tried doing some stuff but i don't even remember what what has happened since then so if you're a miracle man fan you, you have that to look forward to um then uh there's wastelanders star lord issue one so i guess this took place before the last issue of the Star Lord, waste whatever that, that comic was. Does he even say in here? I think it says on the first page. But he he goes like visit the West Westchester School and he's feeling bad about you know Kitty being dead and and you know all the all the X Men and everything like that. And then it's like he's haunted by ghosts. There's there's ghosts there. And then spoiler, should I spoil it? Does it does it mention here? Um, it doesn't mention. I shouldn't spoil it, but you know he's he's seeing because like when you see Kitty Pride, she's got like claw marks in her, like like chunks like taken out of her side and her arm, which is kind of gross. And there's some other people, and like all of the X Men he's seen are like being such jerks. 
it turns out there's there's someone that's doing all this and it let's just say it's a psychic person that i really cannot stand and who has recently been in one of the other like x-men related books it's just like yeah i just but it was just yeah it was just it was kind of annoying how they're the these ghosts or whatever they're being jerks to Star Lord, which whatever, who cares about Star Lord anymore? But but yeah, there's is so it was just it wasn't that bad of of a comic. I when I thought about, it, I, was, I was like, really? Because the the Star Lord comic was weird, old man Star Lord, whatever you want to call it. So that was it. So it, it was it was a fine issue. And then surprisingly, um, there's there's no X Men books this this week. That's like a like a first, right? Yeah, so I guess that was the X-Men book, sort of. Not really. But that is going to be comic books for the week. All right, let's talk Dexter, New Blood, Season 1, Episode 8, Unfair Game. So, man, things things are... I didn't think they, they were going to escalate this quickly. So, last week, uh, Dexter was grabbed. So, this truck dude... He um he's driving in like a pickup truck with Dexter tied in the back seat, and he's like thinking. I guess he's like dreaming because he you know he's thinking about Harrison fighting the wrestling bros like in, at the cabin, like the, their cabin. Uh, like one has an aluminum bat, but you know uh, Harrison has his his little straight razor, so he's like using it. He's like slices one throat, and then he gets a bat for another one, like bashes the head and everything like that. And he's got blood on him. Dexter like walks in, and he sees the mess, and then then he kind of like wakes up in the back seat. So he notices his hands are like kind of like zip tied together um the driver is just driving and he gets a call he's like oh mr Car-. so kurt calls him and kurt looks like he's in his medical scrubs and uh you know so he's like says that he's like yeah some he's he mentions his son or the, the guy's son or so harrison uh dexter knows it's like something's up so he uh he he sits up and he uses you know his hands are zip tied and he wraps it around the guy's face, but it doesn't. At first, I was like, "Why don't he just put it around his his neck?" But what he does instead, he puts it. I don't know if this was intentional or not. Maybe it was, but it goes like in his mouth, so it just goes, oh, you know, like that. And you know, the guy is struggling, and everything like that. He goes off the road and like hits a telephone pole, and <laughs> somehow Dexter manages to like fly out the like, the side window or something like that, and he's like unhurt. Or, you know, he's a little out of it, whatever. And he, like, you know, breaks the zip ties, whatever. Um, and uh, and he, like, he, he unties his, or he uncuts, he cuts off his, the, and he, his feet might have been tied up too, I think, or whatever. But then the driver gets out of, the, the driver's a little, you know, out of it, but he's he's still fine because he probably had a seatbelt on. And he has, like, a rifle, so, like, he's like, sets it up or everything. So Dexter starts running in, into the wood, and the guy's, like, lining up with a scope or whatever. Sh- shoots Dexter in the leg. So that's uh, not a good way to start the episode. Harrison's like walking through the town. He uh, he gets mad because he sees like Audrey like helping someone like load up a. I guess she's working at a Christmas tree shop or something like that. And you know, there's like a another dude from from the school. You know, and they're like oh, kind of laughing or anything like that. So I, I think he's he's upset by that. But then Kurt calls him and he's like, "Oh, you at the truck stop?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "I had to leave early because I got into fight with my dad." And then Kurt's like, oh, your dad just doesn't let up. And this is where it starts getting annoying. It's like Kurt is like really laying it on against Dexter, which it seems like a low blow, you know, whatever. So he's like, oh, are you with him now? Uh, he, but he knows that he's not because the the truck trucker dude just said, that, you know, he's got him. 
then he's like, oh, did he, did he call to see if you're okay? And he again, he knows, Kurt knows that Dexter can't call him. And so when Harrison says no, he's like, oh, I'm sure he's just tied up with something. Wink, wink. He doesn't say wink, wink. So and he, he Kurt, so he's like, well, I'm going to pick you up. He's like, I have a surprise for you. So Dexter's like running through the woods. He he knows he needs to lose the guy and he needs to get back to the guy's truck because Harrison's in trouble. So he has to get back to him. So uh, meanwhile, Logan goes into Angela's office. He's like, it's Christmas Eve. He's like, you know, you should get going or whatever. You can get home or, and, uh, he, but he's like, you know, if you ever want to, you know, go out for drinks or anything like that, you know, he's like, I'm here. And he's like, oh, did I, you know, I, I went out for some drinks with Jim the other night. He's like, really cares a lot about, about you and Harrison. And then he's like, you know, he's like, look how upset he got when his kid almost OD'd. He nearly killed that drug dealer. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, yeah, you were in New York at the time because she was at that conference or whatever. And he's like, when we went looking for the guy, the, the drug dealer dude, Miles, was it Miles? Um, he's like, Jim had already found him, was beating the, the poop out of him. He's like, I meant to tell you, but, you know, I didn't want to upset you and, you know, badmouth your boyfriend and that. So the trucker dude is following uh, Dexter's tracks. You know, there's like snow through in, in the forest. And his his fate is his face is like cut. He almost is like like Heath Ledger Joker, you know, from the, the zip tie around his mouth. I mean, it's it's kind of nasty. Um, as Dexter's like running, annoying Deb, she's like in front of him. She's like, your son's blood is all over your hand. You have to save him. And he's like, I'm working on it. So it's just like, uh, but again, Deb is part of his mind or whatever, his conscious or whatever. But she, sometimes she's just really annoying. Angela, meanwhile, she's now she's looking at mugshots of the, the beaten up drug dealer. And, and then she goes to the bar just as that drug dealer dude makes like another sale. And when he sees her, he like he's like, oh no! He like he you know he starts running, but she like chases him and like into the bathroom, or whatever. She's like, I'm not here to bust you. She's like, I just want to talk about your encounter with Jim Lindsay. He's like, who's that? Whatever. And he's like, oh, that guy's a lunatic, or whatever. He's like, I'm thinking about pressing charges myself. He's like, he came up all friendly, asking for a favor, and she's like, drugs. And he's like, that's that's your words. So then he's like, then we go out to the dumpster so I can do the favor. And then he attacked me out of nowhere. And he said, but then he's like, you know, it, it might sound crazy, but before he attacked me, you think he like poked me in the neck with a needle or something. And then he's, he started pounding on me, you know, after the police showed up. And so he says that he still has a mark on his neck, which why would he still have a, a mark? It's like, how, how many days ago was this? And did Dex, does Dexter like jam the needle so hard that it would make like a, a circle or when, when the circle with a little hole from the needle? Because it's like when I've gotten shots or whatever, you know, it's, it's just a little bloop. It just goes in. It's like, how, how I don't understand this. But, but Angela like takes a picture of his neck, you know, the, the mark on there. So Dexter's trying to hide behind a tree. Then a dude says it. He's like, I was told to bring you in, in alive, but he'll just have to understand. And he like shoots some more. Dexter like keeps running and somehow keeps losing him. He reaches this creek and he's like, you know, even a three-year-old can track me in the snow. So he kind of does like a Danny Torrance, like the shining and like walks backward through his, his track. So, you know, this track leads up to the creek. Then he goes backwards and he's going to like try to hide. But then uh, the trucker comes up and he sees the track going to the creek. He's like, oh, that's the oldest trick in the, in the book. He's like, I could do this all day. And Dexter's like, yeah, but I can't because, you know, he needs to get out of there. So he's like, tries sneaking off again. And he sees a sign on the tree for like the summer camp where like the kids went before. So he's, he fears he, he can go there to hide or something. 
Kurt brings Harrison to the high school and it turns out he he still has keys because from his days as assistant coach or boosters or whatever, and they haven't changed the locks. So then they're, cause the school is closed for winter vacation or something like that. And he's like, aren't we going to get in trouble or something like that? And he asks about cameras. He's like, Kurt's like, oh, they have cameras in the woods, but you know they don't have any out here or something like that. And he's like, sometimes it feels good to be bad, right? So it's like such a great influence. <laughs> so then uh, Kurt shows Harrison and like the wrestling photos. You know, his son was there. He's like, oh, he lettered in three sports. And then he's like, how's he doing? And Kurt's like, oh, we don't really talk much. He's like, not like us. And and they go. This is like a really nice school for being a small town, but because they have like in one gym, they have a gym just has batting cages, and like in whatever. And it was weird because I don't know. It almost felt like like all the lights are already on. I mean, did they turn them on before they walked in there? Anyways, so uh, uh, Harrison puts like you know sets up the machine and Kurt like hitting hitting balls and everything like that. And then he asked Harrison, he's like, do you play? And he's like, no. And he's like, what, Jim never taught you? And it's, again, another dig at, at him. And then he's, he's like, oh, you know, just want you give it a shot or whatever. So Harrison tries, you know, he, he misses a few. Then Kurt's like, he's like, oh, let me show you how to, how to swing. He's like, you know, it's just not your fault. No one ever taught you. Again, another dig. So he misses some. And then, you know, he, when he, he teaches him how to swing with his body and snap the wrist. Harrison starts hitting him and Chris like, Oh, this is too easy. Let's try try a curveball. So he, you know, sets up the ball and then shunk, hits him in the side. And Kurt just like he just looks at him like kind of like an evil stare, just like like almost emotionless, just like looking at him. And then sets up the next ball. Boom, gets hit again in the side. So then uh then Kurt like waits and he turns off the machine. And Harrison's like, like, turn it back on. And he sits there, he's ready to swing, gets hit again in the side. And he's like, put another one in. He gets hit again. And then, like, after he gets hit, he's, like, thinking about, like, his conversations with Dexter and everything like that. He's like, oh, so what am I, a psychopath then? And whatever. Then, he, you know, he, he gets hit. He thinks about, like, um, like just with, with Ethan, like, slamming against the locker in the hallway. Gets hit. He thinks about, like, listening to the podcast and everything like that. Gets hit. Thinks about, like, the wrestler's arm. And he's like, again. But Kurt turns off the machine. And he walks up to him. And then it's like he's all like Mr. Nice Kurt, whatever. He's like, oh, you're one tough effing kid. And then <laughs> then he asks him, he's like, have you ever had venison? And he's like, no. He's like, what? The whole time you've been up here at Iron Lake and Jim hasn't cooked you up any? He's like, I don't know what the hell he's waiting for. It's like Jim doesn't hunt. He doesn't kill animals. And so, and he's, so he's like he's gonna cook him some up. He's like, I also see some quality scotch in your future. This is a high school kid. It's like, but we all know he has something else in his mind, right? Uh, so the the trucker, he's still looking for Dexter in the wood. He puts some snow on his face because obviously his face is burning. Whatever he sees, like a blood trail, and he's following. But Dexter's like purposely dripping. You know, he he manages to like tie up his leg a little bit where he got shot, and he's like he's like squeezing it, like trying to drip blood on the snow to get get this guy to follow him. So he he just reached the uh, the campsite, and he figures that's a good place for a serial serial killer to make his stand or whatever. He puts some blood on a doorknob. Inside, he finds like a big kitchen, like a big knife in the, like a, the cook kitchen block thing, whatever. Kurt meanwhile brings Harrison to his other cabin because he's like, "Oh, where are you going?" He's like, "Oh, I I have a place out here. I do my hunting here." He's like, "This is where I keep my venison." Mm-hmm. And what else do you keep there? Your secret killings operating room. 
Angela returns to the station. She tells Logan that she wants to close cases because, you know, she's spent too much time on Iris. So she asks about the opioid um, case. And they got, got the info from Miles, the supplier, but he was already dead. He apparently OD'd on his own product when he was pressing pills. And she's like, well, how long was he dead? And he was dead because um, he, he was dead when they got there. And she asked, like, how long he was dead. So she's starting to get, like, suspicious about Jim now, which it's almost like it almost seems like it's too much of a stretch, like how much she's starting to put things together. But uh, the trucker reaches the summer camp. It's like nighttime now. It's like dark. And he's like, he kind of pauses. So it's like, is he scared? Is he wondering? You know, but he heads right to the the door with the blood on there. He goes inside. He has his rifle, you know, ready. He sees uh, more blood on the floor. He, then he notices a knife is missing from the chopping block. And he's like, stupid mofo brought a knife to a gunfight. Then uh, he's walking around. He sees his big mirror. And he like, you know, he almost like shoots it because he sees his reflection. And then he decides to like check out his face, like how it's all all cut up on the side of his mouth and Dexter jumps through the mirror like lands on top of him like holding knife to his throat and he's like where does Kurt have my son and he's like F you and then, but then Dexter like pushes down on a knife and he starts talking right away and he's like I think he has him up at his cabin on Stern Road he's like that's where I was supposed to bring you he's like that's all I know and he's like, I was just doing my job. It was nothing personal. So it's like, okay, he should have said, I'll take you to him or something like that. But then Dexter st- st- hard stabs him in the chest. He's like, we're talking about my son. There's nothing more personal than that. And then he, there's like a some tarp or something like that. And this big, they're in like this big storage room or something like that. So he covers him up. You know, takes a guy's like hat and jacket, whatever. Then his phone buzzes. There's a text from Kurt. Where the F are you? And then uh, he <laughs> opens a dude's like eyes to unlock the phone, which I don't know if that works that way. But then he texts back that you know he's on his way or something like that, and he just leaves the body there. So Angela talks to the medical examiner about uh, Jasper, the drug dude, dude, about his death. You know, could it have been accidental? And the doc says, you know, it happens sometimes, whatever. And and you know, she, then she's looking at him. She decides to check his neck, and he has the same needle mark on there. Because I think there's like ketamine or something in the system too. Kirk gives uh, Harrison the good stuff, the single malt scotch whiskey or something like that. And he's like, you want some ice for your side? And he's like, no. And then he tells him, he's like, you know, you got to stop. Uh, oh, oh, Harrison didn't like the whiskey. He's like, Ugh. and Kirk's like, <laughs> but then he tells him, he's like, you got to stop punishing yourself, you know, for whatever you think is wrong with you. He's like, I used to do that. He's like, you are who you are. You find out what gives you joy and do that thing, which obviously for him is killing people for, for Kurt. Um, Dexter, meanwhile, so he he texts Harrison from this dude's phone. He's like, this is dad. He's like, you need to stay away from, from Kurt, whatever. So Harrison, um, then he says he's, you know, Kurt's, uh, he's prepping up the venison. And Harrison's like, it's like, oh, I'm feeling a little cold. He's like, where's the firewood? And then he's like, oh, it's outside or something like that. So he, he goes outside. He starts to text back. And then Kurt comes out, like, for this other door, like, on, on the other side of the cabin. And he's like, oh, is everything all right? And he's like, yeah, or whatever, or like that. And then uh, so Kurt goes back inside, and uh, Harrison puts his phone in airplane mode. So I guess, it, which is kind of smart, so it won't just keep like buzzing and everything like that. 
so then uh, while they eat, Kurtz like starts um, asking. He he talks about like asking a girl out when he was running, you know, because he, he was on a wrestling team or something too, and he was had to, you know was running, had sweats on and a garbage suit and everything like that, and and then he was all stinky and everything. And there's this girl that he liked, and you know he wanted to ask her to dance, and it was just like he could never do it because there's always people around, and this was his chance, whatever. And she when she she basically turned him out. She's like, I don't date white trash. Maybe because he's in a trash bag. I don't know. And he's like, oh, you don't have that problem, right? You're dating the police chief's daughter. And Harrison's like, oh, I don't know about that anymore. Because, so, you know, with her reaction to him breaking the wrestler's arm. Then uh, Harrison's like, what, what What was up with, like, you going to jail or whatever? And he's like, ah, oh, that was just a mistake. He's like, you know, it turns out my dad killed a teenage girl, which, you know, he was difficult to live with. And and he still is since you know i had to spend a night in jail because of him whatever he's like we just suffer the actions of the father or something like that which is another dig at at dexter then he asks he's like why were you in a fight with with the, the dad who abandoned you for 10 years at the truck stop another dig <laughs> harrison's like well it wasn't really a fight it was just more me you know just always being angry he's like i came here for answers and now i feel like you know i wanted something more and he's like i'm not really sure what and curse like a connection so Dexter's still trying to call Harrison. You know, instead of texting, he calls, goes straight to voicemail. Harrison's, he's like, he's like, you know, they just don't get each other on a father-son level. And he, he feels like like his dad is holding back. And Kurt's like, if you were my son, I never would have walked out on you, ever. And Harrison's like, thank you for saying that. Kurt gets up and he's like, ah, oh. he's like, I, I got something I got to take care of. I'll be right back. So when Harrison checks his, you know, to his phone, turns off the airplane mode, he sees like a bunch of texts and missed calls. So that's got to tell him right there that, that Dexter is concerned. You know, he's like, he, he just kept, you know, calling, calling her. So Kurt walks back in the room. He's got his white snow outfit with a mask and a rifle in his hand. And Harrison's like, he's looking at him. He's like, what are you doing? And Kurt's like, I wish it could have worked out differently. He's like, but I don't have a choice, son. He's like, sins of the father. It's an effed up world out there. And, Harrison's still like just sitting there looking at him. He's like, he's like, get up. He's like, and get out. So Harrison's like, did I do something wrong? He's like, I'll make it up. And then, you know, outside, he's like, please, Kurt. He's like, don't hurt me. And then he's like, run. So Harrison starts running. God, this is going to be bad, right? He starts running. Kurt's got the laser pointer on, which just seems so lazy. He's like, come on, you you have to use a laser pointer on your whatever sight, sighting thing. Truck pulls up and he yells at him. He's like, get him out of the car. He's like, I want him to see this. And then, you know, he's like waiting and the truck's still coming. And then he's like, ah, oh, poop. So it's like, did he see Dexter driving? Because then you see Harrison running, you hear a gunshot. And he like stops. He like checks himself because he, he probably thought he got shot. But then he like turns around and you see like uh, Kurt just like shooting at Dexter. He like ducks down as he's driving, drives right at him. Kurt manages to jump out of the way, but he still kind of gets bumped. And like the, the rifle gets hit and like run over and it kind of snaps in half. So then, then um, Kurt starts running. So Dexter calls out to Harrison. Harrison runs up to him. They come up. They hug each other. Big, strong, tight hug. Kurt keeps running in the wood. And Dexter's like, are you okay? Whatever. And then they look at Kurt. Kurt's gone. He disappeared. So he must have had like some hidden, maybe another hidden bunker somewhere. Who knows? So then they're like, let's just get out of here. So they take the dude's truck and they leave. So then we see Angela looking at photos of Miles and Jasper. They both had ketamine in their system. She, it, You see the computer screen. She was uh, Googling Dexter Morgan homicide. When she searches ketamine homis Miami homicide, the Bay Har Harbor butcher um, pops up. And there's like, you know, Bay Harbor butcher slays hundreds and dumps them in the ocean floor. 
so Harrison asked, like, he's like, how'd you know I was there? And Dexter's like, you know, it's just like, there's so much I need to tell you. He's like, I should have, you know, before I got to this. He's like, you need to know before anything else, you need to know that you don't have to feel alone with your dark thoughts again. He's like, you're probably drawn to Kurt because he seemed to understand you, but I, I was born in blood just like you. I had the same violent <laughs> urges when I was your age. Like you, I didn't know how to deal with them. But my dad taught me a code, a way to handle those urges. It's like, I'm going to tell you everything. And Harrison is like looking, you know, he's in a passenger seat. There's driving, you know, Dexter's driving the truck. And he just, Harrison's just looking at him. And he just kind of leaps over to him and just gives him like a hug. And and then Dexter's thinking, he's like, this is all I had to do? He's always thinking to himself, he's like, this is all he ever wanted? He's like, maybe, if I'm being honest, maybe this is all I ever wanted too. So <laughs> he's going to teach his son the family business. <laughs> so... So interesting, I, but it sounds like you know where is it going to go from here? Because yeah, I don't know. Because is he going to tell him? He's like, yes, I am a serial killer, but I kill bad guys, so that makes it okay. I don't know, so <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, oh, but then in the preview, uh, it's like Christmas Day, and um, someone's having a party. I don't know who it was, but then Kurt shows up, and he's like, hey, Harrison. Like finger gun, so it's like, hmm. But it's like, how does he know that Dexter's? I guess he probably figures that Dexter's not gonna tell Angela about all this because Dexter, he thinks Dexter killed his son. But it's like, what proof does he really have besides that there is ash on on his jacket? So there's got to be more to it. So we'll find out next week. Or actually, uh, by the time you listen to this, the episode already aired since I'm a week behind. But this has been been nuts. Okay, and now it's time for The Book of Boba Fett. Season 1, Episode 1, Chapter 1, Stranger in a Strange Land. So I have to say, you know, like many people, I love Boba Fett. I mean, Boba Fett was always, like, my favorite. There's something about him. He was just, like, so cool. When we first got a glimpse of him in the Star Wars Holiday Special, you know, that is, like, the one redeeming thing of that you know he was just like so cool and and when we see saw him for the first time and and you know getting i remember sending in the proof of purchase you know getting the boba fett action figure i thought he was the coolest thing we didn't know anything about him but i just remember you know having a rocket on his you know on his backpack with the missile that did not come out it felt like i remember i kept like pulling at it sometimes i was like i felt like it should come out but i didn't want to break it and just his his armor and and you could see like the little flamethrower on his wrist and I just thought like wow this is such a fascinating character and just remember just being so amazed or interested and fascinated by him as, as just a little kid and then you know when we see him in, in Empire Strikes Back he he didn't do very much but it's like he didn't have to so that's, that's always been the great thing about Boba Fett that he doesn't have to be like this complete awesome badass because you know that he is and you know he's like he's not he's not out to prove it he doesn't have to prove it because you know he you know he gets the job done and you know that the whole no disintegrations line is it's like okay there's a history there's you know something's going on you know boba fett is fully aware of who he is so there's always something really cool about that and then there's been so many like other stories, you know, and and yeah, else or not elsewhere's expanded universe or whatever they're calling it, you know, how much is canon, how much is not, you know, we've seen comic stories and books, and so there's been a, a lot of a lot of cool things that have been told about him. But 
when we see him in like the Mandalorian in here, I feel like he's been depowered a little bit or just as a fact that how he was, he was dealt such a raw deal in return of the Jedi, the whole getting hit from behind the backpack. That was just, that, that just bugs me so much. It just seems so lame and it's no wonder people make fun of him. You know, some people want to make fun of him. So with here with having him come back, you know, it was, it was great when he showed up in the Mandalorian spoiler, but it, it felt like, he was kind of like taken down a, a peg or two, and and maybe that's fine. You know, he doesn't have to be this this uber unstoppable, you know, amazing, you know, whatever. Uh, so, you know, you you have all, all that um, to to consider, which which is fine. Uh, the the main thing that that kind of you know, aside from that, I can, I can accept that. You know, he's he's getting older. You know, if you look at the timeline, or whatever he went through an ordeal. You know, he survived all that, which is, you know, saying a lot because, you know, has anyone been able to say that they've survived that? Probably not. But what really bothers me is the fact that he goes around without his helmet, like often. And and yeah, there is, as we, if we first saw him, he didn't have his armor. Okay, I get it. But you would think he would be able to get it back right away, like no problem. But, you know, that, that was, he couldn't even do that. So... My impression is that you know no one knew what he looked like, and and I know that seems kind of silly. It's like why why should he hide his identity when it could? It seems like there's there's probably records. Maybe I, I mean I don't know how widespread how it would know, be known that you know he was a clone of Jango Fett, and you know Jango Fett was the the source material for all the clones, the clone, clone troopers. And I'm sure people know what the clone troopers look like, you know, because there's been so many of them and everything like that. So the fact that Boba Fett, you know, should look identical to them, you know, and it's it still, it, it feels like even though what has happened to him over, over time, you know, so we don't know, does he have a scar? Does he, did he's, does he dye his hair? You know, there's, there's other things that, that we, we don't know. I just feel like we shouldn't, see his face at the same point i totally get that if you're an actor taking a role you don't want to be wearing the armor all the time you know it's not that you're being conceited or anything like that you want your face to be up there you want people to be able to see you and and yes yeah, some people are willing to put on prosthetic makeup and everything like that you know play someone you know some creature or something but i i still think if possible you know you wouldn't want to wear a helmet and it probably makes it easier to do your scenes and walk around and so that that's just a little thing that that kind of bothers me, but because uh, I, I felt like it, it originally, it's like you would never see him just walking around like taking his helmet off. That it's something not not to the, to the extreme of the, what the Mandalorian does. You get what I'm saying. So with this episode, you know, aside from that, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was was really cool, and I'm I'm coming to terms with him kind of being knocked down a peg. You know, and it, I think that that kind of makes it a little interesting where we're seeing where he's at now. And, you know, maybe he's not as high up there as he thinks he is and as, as I would think he should be. And that that might make it you know a little more interesting as, as well. So there there's some some cool things happening here and it just really sets up like what is going on. So. Let's uh here's gonna be full on spoilers and description of like everything that happened. Part of me I was tempted like I felt like it's like this should be the main feature of the podcast, even, even instead of being like str- smack dab in the middle of it. But 
I thought, you know, since there is a movie, there's actually a couple movies. And, you know, since I, I know some people really loved uh, Don't Look Up, like you know, I mentioned Rich before, I know he really loved Don't Look Up. And then, you know, The King's Man was good. So I figure, you know, the movies are usually at the end of, of the podcast. So here we go. So Book of Boba Fett. This is probably going to be a long, I'm probably going to talk more about this longer than I'm going to talk about The King's Man because I don't want to spoil a lot of King's Man, even though I'm spoiling this. I know it doesn't make sense. That's just how my brain works. So it starts off in Tatooine. We see Jabba's palace. Boba Boba Fett's like sleeping in the back to tank. You know he he's in there like healing. So he's like having some dreams or whatever. So he gets a flashback to Camino. You know we we see you know like the water and everything. And as we know, if if you've watched, you've, you we know the fate of of Camino if you've watched uh, the Bad Batch, which I won't get into that. We see him on was it Mustafa? Not Mustafa. Is it Mustafar? We see him at, picking up Jango Fett's helmet. You know after he died. And then we see him in the the, the Sarlacc pit uh, in the in the stomach. We actually see him there. And when he's you know he's stuck in, inside the stomach, you see like there's a stormtrooper body in there as well because you know the stormtrooper fell in. So I thought that was that was a, a cool. Wait, did a stormtrooper fall in? Now I'm, I'm second guessing that. Was why is there a stormtrooper? I mean I haven't watched Return of Jedi, but because I, I remember it was one of the other skiff guards or something that fell in there. So it, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Now I'm starting to, to second guess my Return of the Jedi memory knowledge or whatever. But anyways, there's a stormtrooper in there, so he's um you know, trying. You know, you can see he's like covered in like green, you know, stomach acid or whatever. He's you know trying to climb up and and he manages to, to hook get his flamethrower to work and and you know the blast away crawls up out of the sand and he's like kind of covered. It almost like you can't really tell so much because you know he's covered and he's he's wet. You know the sand sticking to him. You know from the, the stomach acids whatever. But it, it almost looks like the armor, like the paint was like melt, like burnt off the armor, which would make sense because the stomach acid is like starting to break him down. Um, but with, with that, in the in the tales of the bounty hunters um, story, he, he, his armor was like really damaged as well, and that's part of what allowed him to survive, like crawling his way out, because you know it, it, some of it like burnt to him, so his skin was like all messed up, which makes sense for the, the back of tank, back the tank. Um, here, it didn't quite corrode so far and maybe because uh, the vest vest but what's what's the armor made i'm totally drawing a blank vest apart vest i i had in my head when i watched the episode um so he's he's just like he's probably weak from from that and you know he, he worked his way client fought his way out and he like passes out then later it's it's night um <laughs> some jawas come those pesky jawas they come they, they they strip him of his armor they 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 take all his armor away and he like wakes up and and you know he's uh or he you know he's he starts to wake up as they're, they're pulling everything off him like he grabs one of them by the ankle whatever and it's it just like knocks him out <laughs> so he's, he's gets, gets mugged by Jawas. Uh, then you know the next day, Tuscan Raiders come out. He's he's still lying in his like the suit that he has underneath, and it, it almost looks like he's wearing like long johns, but there it's a little bit more than that. And there's like a sandstorm going on, so they, they like tie his wrists together. They they give him some like green liquid from this like bug or something like that to, to give him some sustenance or something like that. And they make him walk behind the the banthas, so his wrists are still tied, and he's like just barely walking because he's just like so weak and everything like that. And then eventually he passes out, and he's just like dragged, and they they eventually get to their settlement. 
Later we see he's like, you know, sitting like tied to this post. Some Tuscan kids like try talking to him and, and they come up to him. They start hitting him with their like little sticks. You know, they don't have full on gaffy sticks, but you know, they're pretend wannabe gaffy sticks, I guess. They just start like hitting him stuff like that and he like passes out. <laughs> then he wakes up, it's like nighttime, and there's this, like this red Rodian, which I didn't I don't know if I knew it if there was I thought Rodians were just green, but maybe there's different colored Rodians, which would make sense because there's different colors Twi'leks. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a different colored Rodian. I mean, I mean I, whatever. So there, there's one tied next to him. And one of those like Tuscan dog things, Mass, Massif, I, I think there, is like just like watching him. So he's like trying to move, like trying to like loosen his, his ropes or something like that. And uh, the action kind of wakes up the, the, the Massif and it, it starts like walking up to him. And then uh, it, it goes to like attack him or whatever. And he like, just like grabs it. He kind of like tries knocking it out. And he like uses his teeth to like break his, his rope. Then he asked a Rodian, you know, he goes up to him. He asks him if he wants him to cut his rope ropes too. The Rodian starts yelling at the Tuscans that he's like escaping or whatever. So one um, goes at him and he, he manages to knock it down. Um, and then he like takes this, this stick away and it like cowers when he like raises a stick. So this must have been like a, maybe, I don't know if it's all Tuscan Raiders and they're not used to this type of con direct confrontation. Or maybe it's just a younger one, I think. But then uh, he, he runs away. The Massive starts like chasing him. Tuscans come after him and then they, they eventually they, they kind of stop. The, the leader calls back the Massive. And then um, one steps forward with a gaffy stick, and then Boba starts fighting it. You know, he just has like like a regular stick. I don't think he has a a, a gaffy stick. He's not doing so well. And again, this is a part that bothered me a little bit because you think that he would be like awesome at hand to hand or whatever. Maybe he doesn't need to be, but also the fact that he is super weak. He did crawl out of the Sarlacc pit. He hasn't had anything to eat. He had just had a little bit of bug juice or whatever. So it's it, it makes sense that. He's not going to be, you know, whole, super skilled and, you know, kick, be kicking butt. So he ends up getting disarmed and he gets, you know, knocked down. Then we see back in the present, Fennec Shand, uh, Ming-Na Wen's character, wakes him up. She tells him that it, it's time. They're lined up to pay respect. So he gets dressed, you know, some robot droids, whatever, help him. He's sitting on his throne, um, and they come in one at a time. Like one alien gives him this box of treats or something like that for friendship or whatever. Boba tells Fennec, you know, they, they couldn't understand anything he says. He's like, we need a, a protocol droid. So then a, a transdotion comes in, uh, and he says that, you know, he used to work for one boss, you know, because if you've seen the, the Clone Wars, you know that, that story. He comes in, and he probably has, I'm, I'm assuming it's a Wookiee pelt. He has a, this big thing. His name is Doc Strassi. And then um, uh, someone else comes in. It's, it's The mayor is supposed to come in, Mom Shais, the, the mayor of Moss S. Moss Espa is supposed to come in. Uh, he's the mayor of Moss Espa and the surrounding plateaus, but it's actually the, the mayor's major domo. So it's this Twilight dude. He comes in, and Fennec, you know, points out. She's like, "Oh, we thought the mayor was coming to pay tribute, and the major domo." He's like, "Oh, I understand how you know there could be, you know, might have been a misunderstanding from the communication, and you know." But then Boba's like, "That's fine." He's like, "Tell the mayor we accept his tribute." The major domo says, like, ah, that, that's another understandable misunderstanding. He's like, the only tribute he bears is the mayor's heartfelt welcome. Um, and then he says that, you know, he's been drawn away by pressing matters, so that's why he couldn't come. And and also he refers to Fennec as milady, which is respectful, but it almost seems like not respectful. I don't know. So uh, she stands up and 
and says that you know if he spoke with such insolence to Jabba, he'd have fed him to his menagerie or whatever. And he, the major domo dude, he just offers his apologies again. Then Boba says, "Tell the mayor that he's here now." And the major domo's like, "Oh, he knows that you're here, whatever." And Boba's like, "Okay, perhaps another time." He's like, "Next." And then major domo starts walking out. He's like, "Actually, there is one other matter." He says, "It's a matter of tribute." And Boba, he Boba Fett's confused. He's like, "I thought we just talked about that." And Fennec leans over and says that he wants you to pay him. And Boba's like, "What?" He's like, "I'm the crime lord. He's supposed to pay me." Fennec's like, "Should I kill him?" And Boba's like, "Like, he's like, he works for the mayor." So she's like, "So that's a no." Fennec tells a dude, "Lord Fett offers the gift of your, um, your leave unmolested," and the, the dude's like, "Hmm." And he's like, apologies and appreciation. The mayor will take it differently than I, but, you know, I shall indeed convey your, your sentiment. He starts walking out. Then he's like, I would not be surprised if you receive another delegation in the near future. So the mayor is going to try to throw his weight around. So this can be a mayor versus Boba Fett soon. Uh, and Boba Fett's like, you know, keep, keep an eye on, on, on that one. Then two Gamorrean, Gamorrean guards are brought in. So they were once bodyguards to Jabba the Hutt and then later Bib Fortuna. Um, oh, and the, the droid 88 is still there. So that was Jabba's like torture droid, right? And I, I think I saw it. I think it's like the same voice actor, maybe. Uh, they So these Gamorreans did not surrender after their patron was killed. They were captured alive as a tribute to Lord Fett. So their tortured squeals will send a message to those coming in. But Bo was like, he's like, I don't torture. Then 88 says, respectfully, on Tatooine, you must project strength if you're to be accepted as a daimo, D-A-I-M-Y-O. Boba um, stands and he says that, you know, they were loyal to both their bosses. He's like, would they be loyal to him if he were to spare them? They both kneel before him. And Fennec's like, that's a bad, this is a bad idea. So the question is, can he trust him? You know, will, will they serve him? Because, you know, he, he killed uh, Bib Fortuna and they were serving him. So at Mas Espa, you see the big city, Boba, Fennec, and the Gamorreans are walking through the town. She's like, you should have let them carry you in. And he says that he's not being carried around the streets like a useless noble. And she's like, it's a sign of power in Mas Espa. They're used to seeing a hut carried around, you know, the streets. And then she's like, you know, things would go a lot smoother if you accepted their weight. They go into this cantina. And I don't know if that, it looks like Max Rebo's playing with a bith. I, I can't remember what happened to Figrin Dan, who was the the band member in, in episode four. But they're playing, because I, I try to remember if they, I don't think in a special feature, Return of Jedi, there was a, a bith there. But they're, they're playing. I don't know if it's Max Rebo or not, uh, but the others aren't there. So they, they enter, and they both take off their helmets, again, which is weird that Boba Fett's taken his helmet off in public, but Fennec does too, whatever. So they're there to talk to Garza Fwip. Um, uh, like these two, a male and female Twilight come in and ask if they'd like their helmets serviced and cleaned while they wait for Madame Garza. Fennec's like, no, but Boba offers them. He's like, sure, take them both. And then he he says to her, things will go a lot smoother if you accept their ways. So Garza comes, and she's played by Jennifer Beals. And she asks if they want to partake in any of the offerings. She's like, welcome to the sanctuary, whatever. And, you know, and Boba's like, no. He's like, we're here to talk business. So then, then she's like, would you like your Gamorreans hosed down and fed? And Boba's like, no. It's like, it won't take long. He's like, we can do it right here. 
So he introduces, like, this is Master Sess and Fennec Shand. He's like, I'm Boba Fett. I've replaced Bib Fortuna. And then she's like, apologies, I didn't see your litter. And he's like, I wasn't carried on a litter. He's like, I walk with my own two feet. He says that he's there to assure her that her business will continue to thrive under his watchful eye. So she thanks him and thanks him for his gracious introduction, thanks him for his, his you know, making the, the long journey out, whatever. And, you know, she's like, be sure to come back since this is yours or something like that. You know, she's quick to like at first I was I, was, I thought she was going to be like, yeah, it's thriving. She's like, I don't need your help. It's it's thriving, whatever. But she seems to be willing to accept how things work and whatever. So then uh, the Twi'leks return their helmets. Um, Boba's has like a bunch of coins in it. And Fennec's like, huh, your looks, yours looks shinier than mine. So outside, Boba says that Jabba had a lot of vassals. So they have a lot of ground to cover if they're to keep his empire intact. Fennec says that she can make the rounds without him. You know, Jabba rarely left his chambers. But Boba says that, you know, Jabba ruled with fear. He intends to rule with respect. And she's like, in difficult times, she's like, you know, beg your pardon or whatever. And he's like, of course, you know, say whatever. She's like, in difficult times, fear is a sure bet. Then a group of assassins climb down and then they they surround him. They have like these energy shields. Boba tries like firing at them, but then he gets like knocked back. And he drops his helmet with the coins, and some Jawas start like picking them up. They're like robbing him. It's like no respect. These pesky Jawas. Uh, so the these assassins, whatever, they have like these uh, vibro blade things, and start like jabbing, jabbing them, like kind of sending like little electricity at them. Boba can take the blast better than Fennec. You know, it's, it's still affecting him, but his armor is probably protecting him more. So you know, they're 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 trying to. Uh, fight them the gomorians come out and like they like they have like these little blades or axe you know they, they take one out this kind of distracts them and they're, they're like their shields turn off so there's more fighting boba gets zapped by uh, you know some he's putting up a good fight whatever but then when three of them like team up on him he goes down a gomorian comes to his side whatever and you know the rest of the assassins start retreating so um they, they're like climbing up the building and everything and boba fett blows one up but then fennec climbs up and she's going after the other two he calls to her and he's like alive so then uh, Boba, he's like, he's not feeling too well. So he tells the Gamorreans, like, back to the back to pod. So all that zapping, I guess, took a toll on him. So the two assassins are running on a rooftop. And it's almost like parkour. You know, they're, they're hopping, you know, rooftop to rooftop and stuff like that. Um, Fennec starts fighting them. And then she, uh, she gets them disarmed. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of, like, they force her uh, like to jump off the, the roof or something like that. And so it's like, did she just dive off? But then somehow she gets in front of them. So she kicks one of them off off the roof, and then you know the other one is is stuck. So he's gonna be brought back, I guess. The Gamorians they they bring Boba uh, back to the back of the pod. He has more dreams. So this uh, Tuscan kid starts like poking at him, and then takes him and a Rodian because they're they're like chained by the ankle. There's like a long chain. So they're walking across the desert, and it's just like, what's this kid doing? They see some like marauders attacking like a moisture farmer place, whatever, and, and these marauders are like putting their logo on the building or something like that, riding off on their speeder bike. Then a Tuscan kid takes them to dig f- for water, and because you know Boba Fett, he he can't understand them. You know he doesn't speak whatever their languages. But there's apparently these pods, and I don't know if this is what the moisture farmers do. I, I don't understand how this works. Um, there's like these like spherical like pods 
like under the surface of, of the sand. So they, they dig for a while because um, like the, the Rodian like finds one or whatever. And so they keep digging and then the, the Tuscan and the Massif are sleeping. The, the Rodian starts finding something and like digs some more and it's like it almost looks like this big claw or something like that. Then this big creature, at first I thought it was going to be a crate dragon, but it's like some other, it's like the smaller creature, but it's, it's still pretty big. It has four arms and like feet and it, it comes out, grabs the Rodian and, and I think it kills him. Boba's still chained to it, so he gets like pulled towards it as well. The Massive starts attacking it, gets swatted away. The Tuscan kid like tries like stabbing it in the foot and he gets, gets swatted too. Boba tries like attacking it, he gets like knocked away. And then it goes after the Tuscan, it's like about to grab him. Boba Fett comes running at it with, with the chain and the chain has like some barbs on there too. Puts it around its neck, kind of like Princess Leia versus Jabba style. And he's just like pulling and pulling. He finally brings it down and a Tuscan kid just like stares at him because he, he saved his life he didn't have to but he did so then they return back to the, the settlement with like the creature's head like they're carrying it and everything like that Boba's just like walking with with the, the a stick and, and a chain you know like in his hands the Tuscan kid's like telling you know he's carrying the, the head and he's telling everyone the story of the fight and you can tell that he's not trying to you know, brag that he did it you know he's obviously saying that you know boba fett did this and then like the tuscan leader you know he like comes out and he's like hearing as a kid's like and people are like the other tuscans are like getting into like the story and everything like that and then the the tuscan leader comes out because he's like wearing like black like almost like some ornaments whatever and he just comes out next to boba offers him a pot of water and he just like drinks it <sighs> so basically he earned a respect you know, when, when he hears a story that, you know, he took down this creature on his own, he's super weak, had no weapons. And, you know, not only did he take down this creature, he also saved the kid's life. So that definitely earned him some points, which could be why I'm trying to think was now nah, I totally don't remember now was he, he was involved with the, when they were working with the Tuscans and the Mandalorian. Right. And so this, this could be why and how he learned to speak Tuscan, Tuscanese, whatever they, they speak. So it could be because of that. So it was it was kind of good. Um, it's interesting to see Boba Fett trying to take over this role of like leadership or whatever. And he's not necessarily getting the respect that he would think that he should get or that like Jabba would get. Because a lot of people are going to be like, whatever. It's like Jabba's gone. Who cares? You know, why am I going to? give you anything so they're they're probably questioning who he is you know and maybe people still think you know maybe they heard that boba fett died that he got swallowed you know in the sarlacc pit so they may not even know or, or believe that it's him so it, it'll be interesting to see that him claiming this empire and having to basically prove himself without you know trying to be overly violent or anything like that and it's also interesting seeing like the flashback stuff like how he survived and and like built himself back up so I'm, I'm really curious. I haven't like, I don't know what's been said about this season, like what's going to happen, where it's going to go, but I'm really fascinated to see like the possibilities. Like, you know, if, if we're going to see like the, the past and the present at the same time, or if it's going to focus more on the present after this, I, I it's, it's, I'm really intrigued by this. So that was good. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to next episode. All right, let's talk. Don't look up. So this is a Netflix movie. This is, it's, it's kind of interesting with with this movie. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect when when I saw the trailer. I'm like, holy holy cow! There's a there's a lot of actors in here. I mean, you got Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence in a, a, a Netflix movie, and not to knock 
Netflix movies because, you know, like we just had uh, Red Notice, right? And that had, you know, The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. So, you know, Netflix, is, I guess, is either pouring some money into it. I, I still... I've brought this up so many times. I don't know how they make money off of this the distribution and getting, I don't know. Cause like I've been subscribing forever and I'm grateful when they add the new content, that means I have something to watch, but it's, I, I, I mean, I shouldn't tell Netflix this, but I haven't really thought about like, Hmm, maybe I should, you know, cancel my Netflix subscription. Oh wait, there's this movie coming out. I, you know, I, I, there's, there's a lot on there that keeps me paying. So when you get these movies, it's like the, okay, the budget, the budget was $75 million, which isn't a whole lot. But I guess if you think about the movie, it makes sense. You know, probably most of the budget went, I imagine, to the actor. Maybe they scaled down or sat. I don't don't know. But, okay, so you got Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence. You got Jonah Hill. You got uh, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, uh, Ron Perlman, Timothy Chal- Chalamet. And t- did I say Tyler Perry? I think I said Tyler Perry. Ariana Grande. There's just, like, so many people in this this movie. Rob Morgan. It's, it's 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 crazy. Now the reactions. It seems like some people. Uh, I you know, I kind of skimmed uh, some of the, some of the just. I just googled like review and saw some people are praising it. Some people not so much. And I think I, I think it was at Metacritic. It was like at fifty percent. So it's like halfway. So you know, it's only like half the people like half the people didn't right. And I can understand why some people don't get it. So the the main thing is this is a satire. And whenever you do satire, you always run the risk where when you believe in certain whatever or when you support certain things and then someone's poking fun at it, of course you're not going to like it. That, that's, that's like the immediate reaction. That's why I always say when you know some people are just like so vocally negative, I, I think I mentioned, I think it was last week, where there's like this one news, quote unquote, new, or entertainment outlet that is constantly like picking apart like certain things like, Oh, this star Wars thing, this, or this Marvel movie, this. And it's like, you're just trying to kind of attack it to pick away at it. And I feel like that tactic is to get people riled up. So then they'll, they'll click on it. Like, what, what are you talking about? And then they want to you know see what, what's going on. And then maybe if there's comments, you know, they want to jump in there and, and, you know, depending on how the site works, sometimes whenever you make a comment that gives another page view and it just increases the whole, that's what websites are about. They want the page views, you know, they want the clicks and everything like that. So when you do that, you know, you run the risk of depending on how people take certain things, you know, some people are really going to be alienated. They're going to be like, that's what you think. They're like, okay, forget you, you know, block, delete, whatever, swipe, swipe left, right. Which I don't know. I don't know which is, whichever is not good. And so I, I get that. And, and that when you do satire, you know, you run the risk of alienating people as well. I always think back to like Mad Magazine. And I sometimes, you know, as I grew up reading Mad Magazine and remember Crack Magazine and Crazy Magazine, those weren't as, as, as popular. But I always wondered, like, when they do this, like, what do the people think? You know, they're, they're really poking fun at them. You know, they're poking fun at the writers, you know, the story, the plot of whatever movie or TV show it is. They're, the, the characters are often caricatures. You know, they, they often exaggerate their appearances and just really, you know, it's not always flattering. But I think you just kind of take that and you just kind of like, you know, whatever, you know, no skin off your teeth or whatever. So I can see with this movie that there's going to be a certain portion of the population that's going to go, oh, that sucks, it's so stupid, you know, whatever. It's a satire. 
And, you know, there are certain things that regardless of where you lie and what you believe, you can't deny certain things. So with this movie, <laughs> I mean, what's I don't even know what the what's a quick uh, synopsis about. It's basically it's like the end of the world. There, there's a giant comet that's coming to Earth. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence discovers it and she's, you know, works at this hotel, this telescope research, Michigan State or something like that. Leonardo DiCaprio is like her professor. So they, they discovered this, this comet is coming and it's like huge. I think they said it was like five to 10 kilometers wide. And so this is like planet Carol or like extinction, whatever. It's going to be bad. It's bigger than the, the comet that supposedly landed and killed the dinosaurs. And uh, when, you know, then they, they try bringing this to the president and everything. And there's like a lot of denial and refuse. So basically people are saying like, oh, this must be when the scientists are saying, you know, we got this climate change stuff happening that, you know, it's the earth is is getting ravaged and ruined. And, you know, some people are refuse to ac- acknowledge it. And, and that's the, the thing that that's always weird when you have all these scientists that are unbiased you know and yeah you can have some scientists that are biased for one reason or other but you know when you, you gotta think about it, like a lot of these agencies or whatever they're looking at the facts and and you know you always say this is the science of it when you look at people people that are in like denial about covid or or vaccines it's like this is what the science is saying and is a whole science community being manipulated by one person that's like and and even the like, whole thing with like COVID, where people are complaining about that, and it seems, you know, it's it's like okay, what? I don't even. We shouldn't even get into this, right? It's like okay, one administration starts this up, and another administration's like carrying things out, but then people are blaming our current administration when things started before. It's like, what are you talking? I don't know. So there's a lot of denial here, and when you look at like uh, with with like the president in in this this movie. You know that there are some some certain similarities, but obviously some things are, are pretty different. You, you look at at so you know Meryl Streep plays the president. You know she's a, a woman president, which I, I think is cool right there. You know they don't even make a big deal about it. That's just what it is, whatever. But you can almost say that she's like a character in some ways. She's like uh, like Hillary Clinton. You know with like just the pantsuits and all that, whatever. And then in other ways, she's kind of like like Trump. You know, where like there's certain scandals and stuff that are happening that those are real. There are real scandals involving this dude and you, you can't deny that. So, you know, there, there's a lot of that. And, you know, you, you can make some certain associations. But again, this is fiction. This is, you know, there is a, a comet heading. It's it's I, do you equate a comet as the same as climate change. I mean, they're similar. They're not really similar. So that's that's a whole whole um, and it was weird because like when I was when I was watching a movie I didn't really you know I I thought about certain things but I was looking at it as like this is a movie is it intentional because the movie you know some people are saying that like like oh this has to do with like stuff about COVID and everything like that but the movie was actually like written pre COVID or was worked on before that so you know you can't really say that it's it's fully you know because based on that or whatever I don't know so. Um, what happens is, you know, they're, they're trying to get this message out that I, th- I think it was like, you got six months until this meteor, this comet hits the earth. 
And, you know, there's just a lot of people that are just in denial about it and everything like that. And you just see how, how certain people react and you see how, like, some of the media takes it. So, there again, there is kind of a, a message of, you know, references. But you can almost say, like, anything is is inspired or based off of something. And then you, you take it and you run with it. And, you know, that that is what satire is. So, I mean, you, you just take it for what it is. I mean, it, it's satire. As far as the story itself... I don't know how he really, really felt. Like, like I said, as as I was watching it, I wasn't really thinking about how this may or may not relate to certain people and stuff like that. I was just like, okay, this is a piece of entertainment. I'm just gonna watch that, and I guess it it doesn't necessarily have the most uplifting <laughs> uh, message or whatever. Maybe that's the point, and and things do get a little, little absurd, but. I, you know, I have to say the the performances were good. You know, Jonah Hill cracked me up. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple lines he had in particular. Some parts were, you know, the, the character was a little bit annoying, but that's how he was supposed to be. And just a, a lot of just crazy things happened, and um, it, was, it was just some interesting choices. Even like, you know, Timothy, you're like, oh, Timothy Chalamet's in it. He doesn't show up until like towards. Like like maybe a third wait I don't even know exactly how far, but you know he's an interesting character and and just like everything and even like you know Jennifer Lawrence's look and and everything, <laughs> so it was it was an okay movie. Uh, it was I mean I would say it was good. I didn't love it. I you know I'm not like oh man I I want to watch that again. You know it it was an interesting, um interesting project I guess you could say. And, you know, you have to wonder, like, what what was the point? You know, where are they trying to go? And, you know, we, we've seen these these type of movies, you know, the end of the world type type movies. But this is one where, again, things just get a little absurd. And I think that's what kind of sets us apart from other types of movies, you know, where, you know, it's a giant meteor is coming where, you know, something could be done. But then, you know, th- things are are decided not to go certain ways because of certain decisions and and stuff like that and you know say what you will about whatever whoever you support or whatever and you know this is something that may or may not happen you know where decisions might be made that may you know you may not agree with and you know so it's you have to wonder who is making our these choices and you know it, it kind of shows that you know we're at the mercy of of whoever so that's why maybe that that's a message you know you got to be careful what what you do and who you who you put in charge and i don't know so it it was a weird and wacky movie it it's just it's interesting like after it came out cuz when did i watch it i don't remember exactly when i i watched it i think i i watched it christmas cuz it came out christmas did it come out christmas day christmas eve I don't even remember. I think it came out Christmas Eve, the 24th. I think I watched it that night, like really late. And it, it, so it was interesting, like after when I, I'm seeing people's reactions where I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really equate it to being such a satire. I thought it was just like this weird and wacky end of the world kind of comedy. But I, I guess some people took it a little closer to heart and were a little, per, a little personally offended. But you know, it, it's a piece of fiction, and I, th- I think if if you put aside your beliefs, your supports, or whatever, because 
you just watch it for what it is and and you know look at the performances and so that's that's don't look up so very very interesting project and it's even with a just it's, the way the fact that they managed to rope in all these people or, or get all these it's crazy crazy casts and and it's always it's always um fascinating when this happens you see this you know every once in a while where you just get a movie just like Bam, 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 bam. It was just like tons of, of big, big A-list, B-list, whatever actors. And it's just always crazy that you can make this happen. Because I would think that, you know, even it's just a schedule, everyone. And, and you know, not everyone has, has to be in the same scene together or whatever. So, you know, it could have been filmed separately and all this. But very ambitious project. But there you go. So that is, uh, that is Don't Look Up. And, um... It's it's interesting movie. Maybe it's not for everyone, but I, I think you just watch it as, as entertainment and and don't take things personally. You know whatever because that's what comedy and satires do. You know they they, they make fun of everything and you know, so there you go. So that that was a movie. Very very weird. And the end there there's an end credit scene, which is just absurd. just the ending of the movie was just like what the heck is going on? Oh, so 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 weird. Okay, then the main feature is the King's Man. So this is uh, I, I mean, do, is it? I guess it's considered a prequel of Kingsman. It's it's a third movie, but it's actually the first, and it's it's kind of fascinating how far this has come because you know even the kingsman you know it it's based off a mark miller comic you know the mark miller and uh dave gibbons and you know that that was called the secret service and then they just went with kingsman whatever so we've had two kingsman movies we're supposed to have a third one right so there's kingsman secret service kingsman golden circle i don't know what the third one is called or whatever but we have this one so now this one it's taking place in like it's it starts off like let's just say it starts off in 1902 so way before you know any any of, of these uh you know whatever people that, that we know in the other movies and i know for some people that might be a, a bit of a turnoff because you know you want to see you know where's our these characters we've seen in the first two movies you know what, what's going on with them and and so it's it's a interesting choice to when, when they first announced this i'm like really like okay you're going back and and it really um as i was watching this because you know it does this it's directed by matthew vaughn who did the work on the other ones and at first i was just like i was like wait i thought matthew vaughn directed because it, it felt like it was a different movie and and i think that's kind of a good thing that it it's not quite the same, you know. It doesn't just feel like, oh, here we go again. Here's another Kingsman movie, but now it's a prequel and set, you know. So I, I thought that that was interesting. But as I was watching it, you know, I, I thought it was good. There's like some good action, and everything like that. The, the story was, the story was decent. You know, it's, it's you know sets everything's up, and it you know, introduces the characters, and you know we we see stuff like that. Some characters are a little stereotypical, you know, whatever. Like the Mary Poppins, who referred to the one lady as like Mary Poppins whatever killer or assassin not assassin but anyways uh i i felt like at some points it was a little unbalanced like it almost felt a little slow at times and maybe i was just being a little impatient because you know you you kind of expect a certain level of action or pacing or whatever from the the, the first two you know i i, I felt like this, there's some, some some of the scenes in in the, the kingsman movies it's not necessarily like 
absurd or over the top action, but there's just been a, like a lot of like really big whack. And see, I don't even really want to say wacky because it's not like comedic, but there's been some, like some big crazy like 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 whack, crazy bold action scenes. And as it starts off, it's it's almost like it's a little more serious. Not that the other movies aren't serious, but it, it was. Uh, it was, it was kind of interesting and in how it just it felt different and maybe that's a good thing because while it is in the franchise it, it's still a different thing you know it, it's not it shouldn't necessarily be directly compared to the others even though it's going to be you know it, it's I, I feel like it's it's a little hard to compare them when you're looking at a totally different time period you know and just the war, whole world is in a different place. So we we have all that, and there there was there was a like a big holy poop you know moment like uh, at a certain point, and then you know then like the 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 final act or whatever you know things like really amp up and everything like that. So you know I say overall they did a good job with you know Ralph Fiennes, you know he he plays the the main character, and you you find out the story about him because it, it starts off with like him and his wife and their son conrad you know they're um working for like the red cross you know like just helping people at, at this camp in south africa i think it was and then um something happens and then uh ralph fine's character decides to become a pacifist even though he served before and you know he's obviously you know this big the, it's implied that you know he was you know, he's he won this medal of honor or something and you know he's like this big time skilled dude but you know he he's not not trying to do that and then um like the son as as he's old you know he really wants to serve you know he wants he wants to you know fight in the war you know the, the big the british you know are already going to join the war the great war and you know he really wants to to join up but at first he's like too young and everything like that and so, you know, he's really, he's, it's almost like he's kind of looking, not that he looks down at his dad. He's a little disappointed because, you know, his dad is just like, you know, he has all these means and, you know, he just doesn't want to jump into it. You know, he's just very protective and everything like that. You know, he just really wants to avoid, you know, the certain things. So you, you, you get all that and there's, there's a lot that revolves, <laughs> I couldn't get spit the word out, revolves around like Archduke um, Ferdinand, which say what you will i mean that is one thing i remember like his role in in the great war like what happened to him and his his wife and how that kicks things off for some reason i that that always stuck in my head is like that piece of history or whatever so you know there there's part of that and uh you know we, we have some other <laughs> characters <laughs> like like a uh, gregory rasputin um he he's he plays a he, he is a it's his is a very interesting um so Reese Ifans plays plays Rasputin and there's this uh I I, th- I saw the video outside on YouTube I don't know if it's a full scene I didn't I didn't watch the the clip because I already watched the movie but he has a this um interesting scene that that comes up and you know so there's a really really good cast uh you know a lot a lot of talented people and 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 so forth. So overall, I would say, you know, the story is about what the start of the war and, you know, what can... And it turns out that, spoiler, uh, while Ralph Fiennes is a, a pacifist, he is doing a part to to help out. You know, he, he may not be 
in there with his fists out fighting or whatever, picking up a gun or something like that. But you know, he is trying to do do something, and then you know you can see things progress from there. And you know, we do have the the tailor shop that the the Kingsman tailor shop that kind of ties the the two movie or the, the three movies together and everything like that. So I would say overall, I mean, it, it wasn't entertaining, and it, it's it was cool after watching the first two and and, and kind of like having time to have thought about it because I I watched I watched the movie last week. Spoiler for whatever and so i i've had time to really think about it let it sink in because i i think that's that's always um there's always a caution when when i see a movie and then I, I i do the podcast because you know a lot of time you're just really excited and everything like that and then then after a while you're like you know yeah it was good but it wasn't you know, that good <laughs> or something like that so you know having thought about about the movie you know since since then I, I can appreciate like everything that they're they're trying to do, and I would, I, I'm not like begging for it, but I I wouldn't mind a, a direct sequel to this. You know, why can't we have two different, you know, separate franchises going? You know, I I really want to see a, a third Kingsman movie, uh, you know, after the first two, uh, and you know, if we if that does finally happen, I think it's still going to happen, right? Would we get a fourth? You know, is that going to be possible? Because you know, there's, you can only do a certain amount of things, and you know, getting the actors to keep continuing. Um, that's where it gets gets a little little tricky. And so I say, you know, why not also try to set up this this corner of the franchise as well to, to try to go from there? Because I feel like there's there's still a big period of time between here, obviously, and and the the present where you can flesh things out, like because like when the movie starts there is no kingsman organization and you know we're we're, we're kind of are we even going to see the birth of it you know i, I don't want to say any, you know too much here but I, I i think that there's there's a lot of room where they can really do some some cool things and everything and uh it, it's it's worth checking out so i would say you know if if you are going to movies if, if you're looking for something to watch it's it's worth checking out if, if you've liked the, the first two movies it's interesting to see like this, not necessarily the other side, but just this other corner of it, if you want to call it that, and just to see how how this different era and time in the same universe, how it just kind of fills up the backstory a little more, and you know, just shows us like what happened before. So it it is like I said, it, it's it's worth checking out. I, I did enjoy it, and um, there is a I think I mentioned there's a mid credit scene. There's not an end credit. And uh, the mid mid credit scene, the mid credit scene kind of makes me like, hmm, you know, why why are you doing this scene if if we're not gonna, you know, it's like they they got to do a sequel. It wasn't like uh, flat out blatant. I mean, the the without giving anything away, you know, they do introduce a character, a person, whatever you want to call it, and the fact that the movie is over, so it's like you you're bringing someone new where are you going to go with this? So it kind of makes me feel like, you know, I, I would imagine whenever you're making these types of movies, like you're, you're probably have your fingers crossed hoping for, you know, a sequel franchise, you know, cause that's, it's a way to make more money, especially if it's something that you believe in and enjoy doing. So my fingers are kind of crossed, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more. So I, I think that that could be good, but I still can't believe that one, that Holy crap moment. I thought it was, I wasn't expecting that. It totally caught me off guard. And 
yeah so that that kind of really changes um quite a bit like things that could have happened and and that's that's probably a good thing so check it out the king's man it is in theaters um otherwise yeah i don't know how long you're gonna have to wait if you wait to watch it at home but it, it's it's cool to see you know it's on, on a big screen I, th- I think it is worth seeing there there's a there's a part like on the front lines too which uh it's things are, are pretty pretty crazy there so a lot very good production overall i'd say you know great action scenes and and uh, locations and everything like that so so i i enjoyed that so that is the king's man and on that note so i think that's gonna be the end of the, the podcast uh yeah so maybe um I, I, I lost track of like what the time is and I'm not going to look it up. So uh, big thanks to David McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently, what am I doing? Uh, Hawkeye? Hawkeye 2000? Is it 2012? Um I, Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, Matt Fraction, David Aha, Pizza Dog, Lucky Pizza Dog. Just it's just such a, such a fun comic. So you can hear about that. Um, I do plan on dropping in a a, a movie uh, discussion at at one point. It's kind of sort of topical, maybe I don't know, whatever. But the movies, the movies are just random movies that aren't current. Something that you know reflect back on type of thing. So I'll do that at some point. But uh, I'm I'm kind of enjoying rereading the Hawkeye. I know I can reread the, the Hawkeye on my own, but I I like having a, a reason to to reread them. So you can hear about that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com/gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or five. That is ko-fi.com/gmanfromheck. So what is going to be next week? Um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to think about if there's anything in, in theaters. Um, I can't remember, and I could see. I I could pause this and look it up. I could even like pause it, look it up, and edit it, and you would probably not know. But it, that feels disgenuine. So yeah, the thing is, I don't know. What I do know, I'm gonna try to watch as much Cobra Kai as possible. I don't know. Um, how much of that I'm going to make make happen. So I don't know if Cobra Kai will be the main feature. It would depend on, on how much I, I cover. But yeah, I just can't remember um, if there's something. I, I feel like there wasn't anything really big coming, but I could be. And then it might be the next week, I think is a 355. Or maybe the 355 is next week. I, I'm... I'm being on, on on winter break from teaching is just like really been throwing me off. So yeah, maybe three the three fifty five will be the feature next week, and I think the following week is Scream. It feel it's so 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 weird that we're like in January already, and you know because I was like when Scream's I remember when Scream was coming out, they're like it's January something, and I was like wow that's so far from now, but I guess yeah that's coming up. So maybe three fifty five. I'm not super looking forward to the movie. I, I was like, yeah, if there's something else coming out, I'm not going to see that. I mean, it looks like it could be good, but it almost looks like it's a little too forced. So we'll see. That could be a good thing because I mean, maybe it'll it'll surprise me. So, um, But yeah, definitely more uh, Boba Fett, the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, I think more Dexter, right? And uh, yeah, so and Cobra Kai. So that is it. 
So thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. I hope you had a great uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve, or whatever you did. Mine was mine was exactly what unevent not uneventful but not, just no no drama i i don't need any craziness not at this point in my life so i hope you are ready for this new year let's uh hope things keep going <laughs> on, a, on a strong strong note so thank you so much have a great time get ready to get to it take care of yourself take care of others and remember to be good to each other